0: in the fire of adversity called to return to our first love follow the ancient paths as we discover the hidden word of yahuwah this is crossing over with jessica arianis
1: It worked. <laughs> I'm getting so tech savvy here. Hey, welcome, guys. And uh, you're tuned in. You're tuned in to Crossing Over Another Evening with Dr. Pigeon. Uh, I get so excited for Thursdays and not only to engage with you all, uh, but to hear the revelation that Yahuwah has given to Dr. Pigeon. And believe it or not, uh, we usually don't plan these things out. We kind of leave room, Doctor Pigeon and I. We leave room for the Ruach Hakodesh, that is the Holy Spirit or the Set Apart Spirit, to kind of move in His own way. And uh, so, Doctor Pigeon will usually give me a title of sorts, not too much information. But when he does, I get I get excited because I usually have content in that area as well. So it sort of just blends well together. I'm going to bring my guest on in, Doctor Pigeon. As always, yay, good to have you.
0: How are you doing? And, oh, I'm doing I'm doing very well, Jessica. It's just great to be here. You know, we have such a blast on this show, you know, and it's been, I have to admit, I've been having a lot of fun doing this show, and, uh, and it's also the topics are really able, we're able to expand a lot because the audience is, um, well, they're just capable of dealing with what we're talking about, and that's what's so great about it. Is because we have people that are just in the know and who can, you know, really field some fantastic questions and push us, right? They can push us uh, where we need to go to try to explore these things. You know, we had a great topic last last week, and that was a very exciting time. I I was very excited during that show, and some of the feedback we had was very exciting. Now, some of the things we were talking about, a lot of people want to look at, of course, the 12 stones, but um, we have some things we're going to get there. We're going to get to those stones. We're going to get to the Ezekiel 28 passage. Yes. We're going to be looking at all of that. There's a lot of cross blending there that has to be ciphered. And uh, as we go through that, I mean, I, I mean, I have to tell you, I've just had a very exciting day. It's, I've run into some incredible people. I met somebody, you know, in the research I was doing for this show. I was coming across uh, many things and many topics and many ideas. Anyway, then this fellow says, I want to talk to you. And he, and he and he contacts me on Skype. We said, okay, let's talk. And we started talking. We talked something about you and I had talked about a few weeks back when we talked about the, the timeline of prophecy, you know, the Yovel uh, piece that we did on the timeline of prophecy. And, of course, critical to that uh, was the actual calendaring of, the, uh, uh, the year 17, the Jubilee sequence, and so on and so forth. Now, my friends, uh, Chris Ray, Scott Bunnell, uh, Jonathan Wright, and, and that group of code searchers, they started you know, just hitting me with one code after another, confirming the dates of 17 and 67, uh, which was very exciting. And then I, this fellow I spoke with today, Uriel, was telling me he was an eyewitness on the ground, I mean, literally on the ground, lying on his back in Larnaca, Cyprus, watching the heavens for three days in September of 2017, when the sign was given, the Revelation 12 sign was given. And he has a testimony that includes the Ruach HaKodesh moving through him and, you know, and the kinds of things he witnessed in the heavens. Really an indication that our timeline does have some basis here. We're getting corroborating evidence, testimony that's pushing out here saying, oh yeah, these dates may be on point. And, uh, you know, and Uriel was telling me, look, Satan did get cast out of heaven, period, boom, September 23rd, 2017, he was cast out. Now he hasn't arrived on earth yet, but he's gonna get here. And when he gets here, we're going to see, you know, all those things prophesied that are coming. And, you know, of course we see now when we look out these draconian events that are happening around us, right? I mean, right. we have this crazy inordinate weather where we saw 95 degrees in Anchorage, Alaska, and 117 wow. degrees in the Midwest. And, you know, and then hailstones, the largest hailstone ever recorded in Colorado hit yesterday. Uh, Japan was hit with 44 inches of rain in a 24-hour period yesterday. And, you know, so we're seeing things that are happening worldwide that are just, how can this could be possible? Well, it has to do with the war in the between the principalities in heaven that is now coming to earth because time is short. And, uh, so when we start talking about those things, it's just such a pleasure, Jessica, to be able to interface with our audience and our audience comes in and says, I have this testimony. I have that testimony. I have this, I have that. And these things all contribute to really, uh, you know, this stew that we're cooking here, which is to unfold the word of Yahweh, to unfold the word and let it be seen, right?
1: Hallelujah. To remove the veil or to unveil, to reveal the word. That's one of my favorite terms, revealing the word, because we know that Yahusha is the word and he is the expression, the full expression of that which is invisible. So we get to see Yahuwah through the expression of Yahusha, but Yahusha is the word. So the word has to be Unveiled. It has, to, the revelation, he has to be revealed to us. This is why the book of Revelations, which in the Greek is apocalypse. It's this word apocalyptos, which means to experience an apocalypse. What is this apocalypse? It means the removing of the veil. If you were to take that word apocalypse back into the Hebrew, Dr. Pigeon, it actually, rem- it means to, to disclose that which was otherwise hidden, to show the dainties or the inner parts, the, the precious things. And so I think that uh, as we delve in to the truth because Yahushua is also the truth. Uh, He reveals the way and that way leads to life, hallelujah. So I think that that as we delve into the truth, we are delving into the mysteries, the mysteries. Uh, It's interesting because when I first crossed over from uh, my former religion, uh, Pentecostal uh, um, Christianity and evangelical uh, Pentecostal uh, Christianity, I remember, Uh, studying these things and what was revealed to me in the beginning which actually drew me out this is how yahuwah drew me out dr pigeon he drew me out with the concept that there were mysteries things hidden in his word and uh one of the first concepts was the seed and the the fact that a seed has an outer coat and then it has an inner coat and many elements to it but uh, in other words, he likened the outer coat to the logos, uh, which is all I knew in the Greek at that time. <clears throat> and the inner coat or the inner, the meat of the word or the meat of the seed, he likened to the rhema. And so he he had begun to show me, Dr. Pigeon, that his word was like that, like a seed that had an outer coat, a natural application. But that inside the meat of his word was the revelation, the prophetic or the spirit spiritual application that would speak to the soul of the man and convert the soul. And so I became very enthralled and excited more, if I can use this word, enamored, completely enamored with Mm -hmm. discovering the deeper things of Yahuwah. One of the, um, the most precious things regarding the mysteries I believe is the fact that Yahusha himself spoke in parables. And I think people say, Oh, well, this word mysteries, because we do get a lot of esoteric concepts associated with mysteries, right? A lot of schools, schools of, of um, mystery schools, right? That that, uh, were in the early stages of development in Christianity when Paul was coming against Gnosticism and whatnot. And so I think that, it kind of has a a bad taint to it. But in reality, and if we take it back etym- etymologically, Yahushua spoke in parables, did he not? And this word parable is in Hebrew, Mishal, and it's the word Proverbs. But this this is what it means, it means dominion. His speech was, he spoke with dominion. And parables is, is, is exactly that. It's It's something that parallels to another. Right, so that we can have a, a greater concept of what's being said, Dr. Pigeon. I'm really excited about tonight. Uh, the 22 mysteries, I mean, that's all you gave me. And let me tell you guys, Dr. Pigeon thought he was funny, and he I said, Hey, what's the topic for this week? and he gave it to me in Spanish. <laughs> I, had to, <laughs> I had to use Google Translate, I said that's so, that's sly rabbit. I had to go with Google Translate, but you did good, Dr. P. Uh, so that's what we're talking about tonight. Uh, for those of you who are new and just uh, maybe tuning in for the first time, we want to welcome you. My name is Jessica Arias. I'm your host. And along with me is Dr. Pidgeon. Uh He is uh, the, what What are you, the CEO, the chief executive officer of Sefer Publishing Company, or is it Company or Inc? Or what is it? Sefer, Sefer Publishing, Publishing
0: Group. 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 We're a group. We put the group back together. Sefer Publishing Group. You did. LLC. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, LLC. And- there you go.
0: Yeah, I'm the chief cook and bottle washer.
1: Right? <laughs> you really are, Dr. Pete. And you I,
0: I so got to tell you, yeah, the, you know, what's so interesting about this topic is that, you know, people say, well, we can't talk about mysteries, you know, and there, right. there are people out there in the Christian community. It's like there's no mystery in the gospel. Well, the great irony is, is that the word mystery does not appear in the Tanakh in an English translation in the Tanakh at all. I mean, you see things like secrets and hidden secrets but you don't see right. the word mystery the word mysterium, this greek word only appears in the new testament and interestingly enough it appears exactly 22 times
1: beautiful
0: that itself is a mystery
1: well, did you know what's interesting? And we probably won't get into it today. I don't want to lead anybody astray. But uh, one of the words for secret and first point of reference, you can find this for yourself, is in Genesis chapter 49, verse 6. But uh, it says, oh, my soul, come not thou into their secrets or an assembly. But what's interesting is when I had, again, I've researched this con- this topic for many years, Dr. Pigeon. But uh, the Shulamite, she says that she finds shade or she rests under the tree of her beloved and finds shade in that place. What's interesting is that this word shade is this word sod. It's this word sod. And when we look at the word secret in the Hebrew, that's the word sod. It's where we get the sod level. And again, we're not going to get too deep into that, but that's this Hebrew. We're not getting into any kind of theology here. I'm just telling you what the Hebrew word is. It's sowed. And it means, listen to this, to consult inwardly, specifically to reveal hidden things. So when she says that she was taking great delight, what she was saying was, I was taking great delight in his counsel, that in the secret place of the most high, she found counsel. And I believe that that's exactly what this is about. It's not about learning the schools of mystery or the mystery schools. Or, you know, learning some kind of esoteric knowledge. It's really delving into the depths of his word because the Ruach leads to those deep things. The, the spirit cries out deep unto deep. Hallelujah. Oh,
0: sure, it is. And when you look at, there's a passage in Deuteronomy 29, 29. Yes. 29, 29 yes. And it says this now the secrets of Yahweh Elohenu and the revealing to us and our sons forever. And the revealing of those secrets to us and our sons forever is by the keeping of all of the words of this Torah. Now, I can tell you when you're talking about the revealing of the secrets, we're going to see when we start talking about these mysteries that it's y- it's Yahusha himself who is saying, look, unto you, the, I speak to them in parables that they may have ears that cannot right. hear and eyes that cannot see. But to you... Is given the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom. Hallelujah. So let's get started on the PowerPoint. Let's do it. Let's okay, do, let's do it. it. I have
1: it. Yeah. yeah, let me um let me get it here and uh let's go ahead and pray first if we can.
0: Absolutely. We can. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Let's get some prayer in first.
0: Okay, yeah. Let's join together in prayer. Let's all of us yes. join together.
1: Hallelujah.
0: And we, let's begin with the hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for being here with us tonight in spirit and in truth, We know that your hand is moving in a mighty way and I wanna give thanks in particular for the way your hand is moving in my life. Thank you, Yah, thank you, thank you. You've been such a blessing. I wanna give thanks also for the work that Jessica puts in for the show and for all of those who have joined us tonight. It's a blessing for us to join together and fellowship together in the study of this word. Thank you for putting your word before us. Thank you for placing us in such a time as this. So we give thanks for tonight We give all praise and glory to you that your name might be glorified in everything that we do in all our work here tonight. Your name might be lifted up and that your word might be revealed. Be with us in spirit and truth. May your spirit guide us tonight to unveil these mysteries, guide our words, because so much of what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, we don't have the slightest idea what the answer is, but maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe, you know. And you will share and you will bring it, you will bring it to life as we discuss these things tonight. So we praise you now. We lift up all things in Yahweh Yahusha. And we praise you in the name of Yahusha Hamashiach. Amen.
1: Hallelujah. All right, Dr. P, we're gonna get started. And you have a um, let me just share my screen here and make sure that we're on. Okay. Here we go.
0: Okay, great. Here we go. Mysterion, the 22 mysteries of the New Testament. Now, the underlying Greek word there is mysterion. Mysterion, you can look it up yourself. So let's begin here with Marcus, the Gospel of Mark. Uh, For people who say there's no mysteries in the New Testament, we'll start with the first mystery that appears in the Gospel of Mark. And he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of Yahweh. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should turn back, and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? Now, we start with this mystery. This is such a great place to start, because this is Mashiach talking, and he's telling them, look. Unto you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of Yahweh. But unto them, no, they are they can see it, but they don't perceive it. They can hear it, but they don't understand it. Now, that verse 12 right there, this is epistemology he's talking about, right? That you can, you're, you're, you've got a conceptualization happening. You've got a perception taking place or a sensation. The eye, the, the rods in the eye are seeing something. And and it's coming into the brain, but they're not perceiving it. And even though they're articulating it in the oral receptors in the ear, they're still hearing it, but they're not understanding it. Because if they did perceive it and they did understand it, they would turn back and their sins would be forgiven. However, when you talk about the disciples, the disciples are expected to know the mystery. If you don't know the mystery of the kingdom of Yahweh, are you one who is seeing and not perceiving and hearing and not understanding? I mean, it's a question. If you don't know the mystery, maybe you're not a disciple. Okay, let's go to the next slide here. Let's take a look and see now. The rest of our discussion is going to be from this good brother, Paul, the worker, and he's going to talk to us at, at, at great length, with some exception. We'll see John weigh in on this too, but he's going to talk to us at great length about these mysteries, this mysterion that appears in uh, the New Testament in the Brit Hadashah. Okay, Second or t- First Timothy chapter three verses eight through nine. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of belief in pure conscience. Or in many many texts, it says the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience okay let's just crack the question what's the mystery of belief what is this mystery of belief what's he talking about here well let's take a look at the greek the greek we have this word mysterion right which means mystery not much of an argument there but what is the mystery of belief next slide okay first timothy goes on three sixteen. And without controversy, great is the mystery of holiness. Yahweh was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Ruach, seen of angels, preached into the, the nations, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Okay, so we can see here that we can tell that when we're talking about this mystery here, we see the fruit of this mystery. The fruit of this mystery, this great is the mystery of holiness. The the fruit of this mystery is that Yahweh was manifested in the flesh. Now, this phrase right here, Yahweh was manifest in the flesh. This tells you that, of course, Yahusha is deity because Yahweh himself was manifested in the flesh. And this is the only way he can manifest himself. He can manifest himself many ways, but for the time being, and for the purposes of this atonement, for this particular group, he manifested himself in the flesh. He was justified in the Ruach, justified in the Ruach, of course, meaning he was sinless, right? Seen of the angels, seen of the angels. What are the angels doing there? You know, I know people who are New Testament people, they don't believe in angels at all. But here we have Paul telling us he was seen by the angels preached unto the other nations believed on in the world this is the fruit of holiness right and received up in the glory however for those who have spent a lifetime in a new testament church and i know a lot of people that's all they talk about all i attend a new testament church we don't crack open the old testament except to go to malachi and say you're not tithing enough or maybe psalm 23 but other than that we're not going to look at the old testament well Okay, if you're a New Testament guy and that's it, then you need to describe and be able to say, what is holiness? Can you say that? Let's go to slide four and see if we've got some commentary here. Second Thessalonians 2, this is uh, verses 3 through 7, and we're going to hit another mystery here. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day. Well, let's hold on before we go on. Let me talk about holiness for a little bit. Because when you're talking about holiness, when when you talk about holiness, in its and you have this passage in Devarim saying, Be holy for I am holy, and Kefa responds to that and says, Be holy for I am holy. Now, this term in the Hebrew is kadash, kadash, which also gives us kadosh or Kodesh, Kadosh or Kodesh, right? Kahadosh, 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 right? Holy, holy, holy are you. So when you talk about this kadosh or kodesh or kadash, you're talking about this condition of holiness. Well, this holiness is what? Set apart, sanctified, righteous. Holiness is different from righteousness. Holiness is you are set apart. You are set apart from the things of the flesh. You are set apart from the profane. And you are involved only with the sanctified. Okay, so you have you've you know you've you put on your wedding garment, so to speak. This makes you holy. You're set apart. You are clothed differently. You are arrayed differently. You're 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 conceptually different. Righteousness is different, right? Sadika, sadika, Sadiq. You know when you talk about being righteous, you're talking about being correct. That is to say, engaging with correctness and following through with what the Torah tells you because john tells us that it is the transgression of the torah that is sin the transgression of the torah is sin so righteousness is not transgressing the torah pretty straightforward Uh, but you know the problem is is that in the new testament church i'm not sure what people think holiness is and not only is there holiness but there is a mystery to holiness there's a mystery to holiness because let's explore this mystery for just a second. Are you holy because of your good works? Or are you holy because you have accepted the commission of Iyawa who said, Oh, you're going to commit your life to me. Okay, great. I'm calling you to commit your life to me. Do it. Boom. You said, here I am. Okay. Now it's time to go. So you have this idea that grace touches us through his volition, right? His grace pours down on us. He chose us. We didn't choose him. He chose us first. And so his grace pours down and we respond by saying, okay, we want to do this. We want to do that. We make ourselves a living sacrifice under Yahweh, And by making ourselves a living sacrifice under Yahweh, we become holy. Well, what does this mean? Make yourself a living sacrifice. What does this mean that those, um, uh, those who give up their life will live? Those who cling to their life will die. What does this mean? I mean, you have many, many, many passages in the New Testament that have great mystery. To those passages, I mean, let me give you another example. The greatest mystery of of, of all of the gospel, right, is when Mashiach is talking in in the Gospel of John, and he's talking to the all his disciples. Now he has many disciples. Why? Because he's healed. He's you know cast out demons. He's restored sight to the blind. He's created liberty. He's done all of these things people are talking about him all over the Holy land. And this is why they're following him. And then he turns to them and says, well, let me tell you something. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me and my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And it says he lost many disciples at that point. Well, the thing is is this, when you hear that kind of language, is there a mystery in the gospel? Is there a mystery in the gospel?
1: so i have a comment just just to clarify so I, I love the way that you're putting it down dr p so just to give clarity to the definition of those two particular words uh the first one which would be righteousness or or zadiq, which it, it basically comes down to conforming right so basically conforming or submitting to a particular standard and the standard would be the instructions of yahuwah's word Therefore, righteousness would be a byproduct of our obedience or adherence to the commandments, the edicts, the rules, the, the laws of Yahuwah. So we would then be considered subjects of his, right? Citizens of a particular kingdom, which would be Yahuwah the, the chief, right? And holiness or kadosh would also mean to be uncommon or peculiar, to be put to work specifically for Yahuwah who is also holy because even the ground, if Yahuwah said, take your shoes off, this ground is holy, why? Because Yahuwah himself was resting in that place. What, what, if he called a spoon to service, was the spoon not also now set apart, could no longer be used for common purposes. So if Yahuwah has called you with purpose, then we too have become set apart from those things which are common. So I really like the way that you distinguish the two Dr. Pigeon. One is the byproduct of our adherence, and one has to do with us being put to work or having purpose in him.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's very well put, Jessica. And it also is this, you know, you mentioned it, a peculiar people, a called out people, That's right. a set apart
1: people. There you go. Right?
0: And sometimes, you know, when you are called out or you're peculiar, you're set apart. Guess what? People don't like you.
1: You're ostracized.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't talk to that guy, right? Yeah. We can't have him around here anymore. Get him out of here, right? Right. But but it's OK because we have commune with with the Yahweh and, Hallelujah. and then and when you're called into his service and you are walking in holiness and you know and you're doing your best at righteousness. You know, guess what? You're an agent of the most high. You know, you're his child. You're his disciple. You belong to him. You're his agent. Those who who uh, attack you and offend you are attacking his agent. The one he called out and said, I'm employing you. I'm putting you to work. I want you to do the work of my kingdom. And then someone comes and attacks him. Guess what? Yah has something to say about that.
1: Yeah. Even David was cautious when it came to uh, defending himself against King Saul. Uh, There were many occasions where Yahuwah had delivered Saul into the hands of David, but David didn't take that risk. Matter of fact, instead, he showed mercy. And uh, there was this one instance where he decided to leave his sword there while Saul slept. Uh, he left his sword, just letting Saul know, hey, I could have, I could have, if I wanted to, I could have taken your life, but he chose not to. Matter of fact, even when his life was taken, and the messenger came and reported to David that Saul had been killed by his own hand, of course, but nonetheless, that he had been killed, David did not rejoice, but the messenger did, and therefore, King David slew the messenger, Dr. Pigeon, because he he was upset that he would rejoice in such a thing because Yahuwah had anointed him or called him for purpose. And so I think it's very important when we when it says touch not my anointed. I personally would not want to come against anyone, assuming that I know their heart.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it is a very good point. You know, course, be careful. My, favorite, my favorite story with David and Saul is when Saul goes into the cave yeah. to you know use the facilities, so to speak, right? And he goes in there and he's, you know, in the act of, shall we call it, you know, uh, private disposal. Mm -hmm. And David takes his sword, you know, cuts off the edge of his garment, right? (laughs) And hence, then they get the edge of the garment to him, right? Guess where you lost this, Saul? And guess who was there to cut it off?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, many times, many times he let him know. I think the idea here is that, that, uh, or if maybe that was the case, maybe that was the warning. I thought it was his sword that he left there. Maybe it was the, the reg. but the point is is that many times on, a, on several occasions, he had let him know that you were in my hands, you were delivered up to me and I could have crushed you, but I chose not to. And I think this is a perfect example. Like you said, touch not my anointed, but yes, you're right. You were talking about uh, this word in second Thessalonians chapter two, verses three through seven about Yahuwah calling us to be set apart and the distinction, the distinction between ra- righteousness and holiness.
0: Right. And it's a mystery. I mean, we don't know all of holiness because we don't know what his commission is. I mean, for instance, you know, when I was talking with this friend today, you know, there's the passage in Jasher that talks about Isaac. And he says, and Ishmael saying, you know, look, I went through a lot of pain because I was circumcised when I was 13. You know, but I did that because that's the strength of my faith. And Isaac says to him, well, I would give up my life for my faith. And the, the passage goes on to say, and Yahweh considered his words, right? You said it, I'm going to hold you to it. You said it, I'm going to hold you to it. And so, you know, and, and this is the fear of Yahweh. So this holiness is contained in this fear of Yahweh, that Yah hears our words, and he hears our oaths, and he hears our blemishes. And, you know, and so the thing is, is that the fear of Yahweh is, is a magnificent thing, but it is the beginning of wisdom. And if you don't know the power and the majesty of Yah and how His decisions can affect your life so dramatically, so dramatically, then you know you're not in the right camp. And once you understand that and you have this fear of Yahweh and you understand how powerful He is and you nonetheless have committed yourself unto His, uh, unto His service. Then you begin to walk in holiness. You become set apart. And especially when you say, I'm going to forsake this in order to do his kingdom. I'm going to forsake that in order to do his kingdom or his kingdom work. And there have been many people who have forsaken everything. I'm just going to go listen to his voice. I'm going over here and I'm going to serve the rest of my life to serve these orphan children or to work in this village or to do this or do that. And they do. And that's their service. And there is nothing. That is unholy about that. That's a holy thing. Be holy for I am holy. Be set apart for I am set apart, right? Be peculiar for I am peculiar. It doesn't mean, you know, run around and pretend that you're a sinless Christian and that you're holier than now, right? Or more pious than the next guy. That's not holiness. Holiness is setting yourself apart for the kingdom of God. Okay, let's continue with our next slide here. Okay, here we go.
1: Here we go. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: All right. Now, but Second Thessalonians, let's hit that slide. Because we're going to get into something here now that is going to be yet another mystery. Now, this is a timeless mystery and a mystery that is talking about where we are right now, Jessica. Okay. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. Now, this is the day of Yahweh, except there come a falling away first. Now, this is apostasy, right? And I had this discussion with Eli Marzulli uh, in depth when we were in Dallas together. And he asked me about this word apostasy. And he said, Isn't that just another word for the rapture? I said, Well, no, it isn't. Because apostasion is the Greek word that is used for divorce, right? When Yah gives a certificate of divorce to the house of Yasharel in uh, Jeremiah 3, when you read that in the Septuagint, the word they use is apostasion, the masculine form of apostasia, apostasia, which means falling away or divorcing away, becoming separated, except there become a separation of falling away first an apostasy first. Okay, so we have this apostasy. Now, this apostasy is on us right now. You can see it worldwide. And, you know, we're seeing it, uh, of course, we're, we're experiencing the harshness of, of Google Analytics now as they punish us for being a, a faith website. And, uh, you know, by moving their algorithms and, you know, you're starting to see it that what's going on now is that they are targeting the faith community, in particular, with these international governments are saying we have to crush this form of alternative speech because this form of alternative speech is what overthrew the Roman Empire. We can't allow it to be in place in our empire, in our new world order. And so what's taking place now is, of course, we have the, the raise, the raising of this uh, primacy of the LGBT flag, you know, the six colored flag, you know, uh, Jessica, when I was in uh, Vancouver last week, I may have mentioned this on our last show, but we were walking along in Vancouver and we came upon a government building and there were three flags up and they were all at the same height, right? The flag of British Columbia, the flag of the nation of Canada and the LGBT flag, all three flying in the same area. It tells you that this LGBT morality is in fact at the same political power as the nation of Canada and as the province of British Columbia. That's what the flags at the same height mean. So that agenda now is creating an apostasy because essentially the story that's being told is, is that the this lifestyle that's enshrined in that flag is the lifestyle of life, the lifestyle that is enshrined in the cross, or the lifestyle that is enshrined in the message of the word, or the lifestyle that is enshrined, enshrined in the atoning grace of Yah and the testimony of yahusha hamashiach is death you know they're literally appointing that to say that leads to death that's insanity in russia they're putting people in re-education camps right re-education camps because they are christian because they're evangelical or pentecostal or baptist they're going into re-education camps now and so when you see this you realize that what's happening is is that the new world order there's no one in leadership now that believes in in any of the scripture, and so they're just pushing to say the whole world is going to fall into this secularism, this secular atheism, a secular atheism, by the way, that led to the death of almost 225 million people in the last century, and it's going to lead to the deaths of a lot more in this century, secular atheism, and these government people who think they declare themselves God, and they think they know, and they don't know. They don't know. They don't know what they're bringing, but this apostasy now is upon us, and it's upon us worldwide. You know, if you go to Europe, you find out, you know, less than 6% of the people still have any faith left at all that are still walking a biblical worldview. In the United States, it's about the same. It's about 6%. You know, 9% inside the church have a biblical worldview. 6% outside the church have a biblical worldview. So the apostasy is here. That's the whole point. The apostasy is here.
1: You know, Dr. Pigeon. I think um, another issue we have with those who claim to be of the faith, I think because a lot of people... Uh, i don't want to uh, discredit anyone uh, in any particular group but a lot of people have inherited lies and traditions um we ourselves being some of those people and i know i had um inherited a lot of lies and a lot of traditions that were passed down from the forefathers and therefore dr pigeon i was weak in my ability to stand against the lies of this world. And so it was as I began to study and learn to uh, distinguish between the lies and the truth, then I was able to adhere to something that was more foundational but what we have is a lot of compromise in the body there are a lot of people who are compromised not only with sin but with sickness and disease and all sorts of other issues where True. they in fact can't stand against those principalities and rulers of darkness because they themselves have been compromised and the first um, line of defense is the the level of truth in which they have ingested uh you know what 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 have they taken in what have they received as nourishment for their souls that, that cause their frame to become weak. I think that's, that's important, Dr. Pigeon. that, that we understand that where we are in pursuit of the truth, and it is absolutely necessary. It behooves us, right? It's like a life or death.
0: It situation. absolutely is. And, you know, and, and this is the thing, a lot of people who say, well, I'm not a real believer. I'm not strong in my faith. And I got fed up with my church and I left and I walked out, and, Right. you know, and, and so on and so forth. You know, the issue here is loving the truth. It's loving the truth. You know, um, A friend of mine asked me, he said, you know, why did they take the Bible back to 66 books? And, you know, the true answer is, is because the public could not handle the whole of Scripture. They can't handle it. And now we're at a point in our society where we can't handle 66 books. I mean, I think the average person in this country, because of the compromise of critical thinking, can only handle maybe... 10, 12 books of the Bible. I mean, they can't handle Revelation. They can't handle some of this discussion we're talking about here in Paul. Just give me a gospel that says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I don't want to know these parables. I don't want to know the mystery of the kingdom. Right. I don't want to know the mystery of the man of lawlessness. I don't want to know the mystery right. of the hidden wisdom. I don't want to know these things. I you know, I just want something very simple I can move through with my life and just go, right. there we go. I believe I've got my, I've got my uh, what do they call it? The uh, fire insurance. I got my fire insurance and that's that. But you know what? We're called, you know, when you read the gospels, the gospels, you know, there are things that the Messiah says that are so deep and so heavy. You think you understand them and you don't. I don't understand them. I'm reading and I go back and I go, okay, he's saying something more. There's a lot more here on the table. There's more implication. There's more meat, if you will, because his ways are not our ways. That's and we right. are called to the renewing of our mind and to make ourselves living sacrifices. You're called to know your faith. That's
1: right. Don't,
0: don't be lazy and say, look, all of my faith I obtained by watching uh, 100 different TBN shows. Right. Or, you know, uh, all, all my knowledge of scripture I obtained by watching Pat Robertson. Or everything I know I heard from my pastor. I mean, I was in a church where, where the people had been there for over 30 years. And we got a new temporary pastor that came in and he said, I'm going to preach out of 1 John. And they all went to the gospel of John chapter one because they had never heard of 1 John. 30 years in a church and they'd never heard of the book of 1 John. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, and so here you are. I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about people who say, well, I'm, I'm there. I'm, you know, I've got my comfort zone. I've, I've got my grace. I've got my salvation. That's it. I can go live my life any way I want. And this has been the case really throughout all of the English speaking world of people living a secular life, paying homage to Christianity to the extent that they feel they need to. If somebody comes to push and shove and says, are you Christian? They'll say yes, as compared to being Muslim or Jewish. And but that's about it. There's no walkout. There's no there's no way. There's no truth. There's just a bare elemental, small spider thread of a line that holds to life. And very little else. You know, well,
1: Dr. Pigeon. I think that the the more in depth, the more intimate. Let's use that word because that's really what's required here. Is a level of intimacy that re- it's 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 mouth to mouth, right? Panim apanim, This mouth to mouth. This kneecap to kneecap. Face to face with your maker and it is being able to stand before him uh, unashamed and really being naked that's transparent uh, and vulnerable in his presence and saying hey okay search me and know me see if there be any crookedness in me and in there's that reciprocity Well, all relationships must have this level of homeostasis or reciprocity and so there's that reciprocity that he's not just examining you but you get to examine him too and that's why you know we examine the scriptures we examine his hands and so what what is it for me dr pigeon when i delve into his word and i become intimately acquainted with it what i get dr pigeon is a glimpse of eternity which makes my temporal existence more uh my minuscule you know more uh less less important and i and and not to say that I don't, you know, live purposefully, but Dr. Pigeon, what I do when I look at, at the fact that I'm going to live for eternity, it becomes more aggressive. My faith becomes more aggressive. And I think a lot of people, they fail to, they don't have that. Dr. Pigeon, they don't have a concept of eternity. They just simply assume that, hey, I'm attaining knowledge, I'm good for today. And, and not, not really, Dr. Pigeon, this is going to affect your eternity. This affects yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. your
1: eternity. This is like this is temporal. This is a temporary world. But, e- but,
0: but even in the temporal world, Jessica, we still have this beauty of life that is to us. When Absolutely. We, when, when Yahweh said, gave us the 10 Deferbrim, he said, "Here, here's these 10 commandments. Do these and live in them. You, live yeah. in them. And so you follow those 10 commandments and you live a wonderful life. Now that doesn't mean that you don't have you know, the occasional argument, the occasional fight, the occasional downturn, the occasional economic wipeout, the, you know, this, the test and trials of life. But, but beyond that is this, you know, blessed assurance that comes day in and day out that says Yahweh knows us. I mean, look, whether you say I want to be naked in front of Yahweh or not, you are. Whether you, you say I want to be transparent, you are. He knows your every thought. He knows yes. your everything. But he knows your name. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knew you when time began. He knew all of these things. And so as a result of that, we have this capability of living a beautiful life on earth. Now, it's a life that would be a lot easier if we loved one another instead of beating the daylights out of each other. You know, uh, here's my idea of friendship of a friend. You know, come over and club him in the head with a baseball bat until he gives up. Right.
1: Right. You know, well, well Paul, was, Paul was really acquainted with the law, and, but yet in his uh, transformation, in his experience, when he had his Damascus experience, it was this glimpse of eternity that he received. And, and they worked together, the, 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 both the here and the now uh, work together, the space and time continue sort of work together as he realized that he no longer was clinging to his hope in the natural, and that there was a greater hope that was now in the resurrection, which was in yeah, Yahusha. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so amen. I think that's the amen. beauty of it. But that is the mystery of
1: it. That's the mystery, Dr. P. Yeah. Let's get back to your slides, Dr. P. We got more to more to go through here. Let me get them ben. on for you. Hold on. Wrong okay, way. Okay, right,
0: right there. Yeah, let, let me finish this there one. You up. Go. Okay. Go so here it. It goes. So here so after we have the apostasy, the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called Yah, or that is worship, so that he as Yah sits in the temple of Yahweh, showing himself that he is Yahweh. Remember, ye not, that when I was with you, I told you these things, and now you know, at what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now lets will let until he is taken out of the way. Okay. Okay. New Testament people break in here. I'm ready for feedback. Everybody can tell me what is the mystery of iniquity. I mean, this passage is so straightforward. We can immediately see that what withholds this man of lawlessness, this man of sin, this son of perdition, what's withholding his being revealed. Well, that is apparently going to be taken away because The mystery of iniquity is already working. The mystery of iniquity is already here. And of course, I think what a lot of this is saying, and I think there's been many people who've talked about this before, that Satan, how Satan prepares an antichrist in every generation. The mystery of sin is already here. This antichrist is already here. This natural push towards an apostasy is already here. This business of opposing Yahweh and exalting himself has always been here. But there is one in particular who will rise in the end days that after this huge fall, after this apostasy, this worldwide apostasy, he will exalt himself and he will be revealed because the one who lets will let until he's taken out of the way. You see, it's a mystery. Okay, next slide. Let's go. Okay, uh, one more if we can. Oh, no, that's good. I'm sorry. Uh, no, let's go ahead and go to Romans. Okay, so here, Paul is going to tell us again. Okay for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of the mystery. What mystery? Well, I don't know, but don't be ignorant of it. Here's Paul saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of the mystery. Well, wait a minute. There's no mysteries in the gospel. Well, that's a form of ignorance right there because there's 22. And Paul's telling you, you shouldn't be ignorant lest you should be wise in your own conceit. You see what happens when you're ignorant of the mystery Then you become conceited about your own wisdom. Well, I know what's there. I know what's written there. I know what's in the gospel. There's no mystery in the gospel. You become conceited in your own wisdom, claiming that you know what's there when you are ignorant of the mystery. And the mystery is what? That blindness in part happened to Yasharel until the fullness of the other nations, right? The ethnos, the goyim, until the fullness of the other nations shall come in. Now, this is a mystery. What's the mystery? That generation on generation on generation on generation that you would have the children of Yasharel blind in part. Okay? Blindness in part has happened to Yasharel. And what is this blindness? Well, for one thing, you have the house of Yehuda, the house of Benjamin, the house of Levi, who cannot see the Mashiach. And you can sit there and argue until you're blue in the face. Well, you should see him. Look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this and they remain blind, and, and, and the next generation comes, and they're blind too. Then you have the blindness of the house of Ephraim. Uh, uh, who'd you say we were? Oh, we're, we're, you're refri- Ephraim. Uh, us? Uh, yeah, you guys. Remember? Yah gave you the holy land in 1917. It said, here, I'm returning your inheritance to you, and you said, who? Us? Who are we? Well, I didn't know anything about this. Even though we call ourselves British covenant man, we still know nothing about, uh, you know, so... And, and, and of course, you have this blindness throughout Yasharel. You know, a friend of mine who's in the First Nations up in Canada, he wrote me and he said, Look, we have this problem of these pagan practices in the First Nation Of course, you have problems with pagan practices in the First Nations because you're blind in part. You're blind in part. You, you know, you can see there's a glimmer of Yahweh in among all the tribes. They know who the real creator is, but they also have these visions of. The the you know the bird god, the whale god, the, the you know, the, the bull god, all of these other things and these practices of worshiping the creation have crept in because why? Because you're blind in part, you're blind in part. Okay, let's go back to that slide if we Because Paul's gonna continue to tell us, he says, look, so all Yasharel shall be saved, and as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away wickedness from Yaakov, for this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Now this is an adroit prophecy of Mashiach, because he came out of Zion, and he was the deliverer, and he turned away wickedness from Yaakov, and his covenant unto them, that he shall take away their sins. Their sins were taken Now There's one sin, that this is a big problem, for a, a lot of people. They say, well, if I do the Torah, then I'm sinless. No, because you have the fall of Adam to deal with. You have the fact that they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and brought death into the world, which is the sin for which you can never atone. You can never atone for that sin. Only the death of Mashiach can atone for that sin, which has put you, cast you out of the kingdom and by his blood being shed, the door is open for you to return into the kingdom. So this is his covenant. I shall take away their sins. I shall bring and deliver out of Zion, who shall take away their sins and all Yasharel. And he could have said, it's not in the text here, all Yasharel, and all those who sojourn with them, all the other nations that sojourn with them shall be saved because you are not a Yehudi in the flesh, but you are, you are a Yehudi in spirit. You are Yehudi in spirit. Okay, so that is who is all of Yasharel, right? All of Yasharel. Okay, Romans 16. Here we go, another passage. Okay, the grace of our Adonai Yahusha HaMashiach be with you all. Amen. Now, to him that is of power to establish you according to my Bessorah or good news and the preaching of Yahusha HaMashiach according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Okay, hold that right there. New Testament guys, front and center, and answer the question. What was the mystery that was kept secret since the world began? What is that mystery? I mean, let's hear it. What is the mystery that was kept secret from the world since the world began? Who's got a theory on it? I mean, you know, we need to find out. Which mystery was kept secret from the world since the world began? Well, I mean, I have my theories, and my theories are based upon what? The sacred name. The name, Yahweh. Yeah, the incarnation of the Father. Yeah, bing, bing, bingo, mission, Engine. Yeah, the incarnation of the Father. But what? When you look at the, it's Yahusha, that's exactly right. When you look at the creation, the beginning of creation, the Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh is expressed as he who breathes life, right? He breathed life into Adam, and this was part of the creation. And as yod Hey vav Hey Yod, the, the hand of Yah, Hey, look through the window and behold, see, see what's going on. Vav, the nail, Hey the window. Behold the nail, behold the hand, behold the nailed hand, set forth in Genesis 2, that there was a con- concept from the beginning, that Yahusha, that Yahweh would manifest himself as Yahusha in the flesh, that flesh would be sacrificed, that blood would be shed, and that blood would be shed for mankind and the rejoining of mankind to the Father. Now, that's what I think the mystery is. Now, there may be people who think there is a different mystery there. And of course, the New Testament church is willing to break it out. I want to hear it. But this business of saying, uh, that, you know, that you don't know and you can't link it to the beginning. Why? Because you're a New Testament church and you've never read the book of Genesis. It's going to be difficult. Okay, next slide. All right, so we move into yet another mystery. Let's take a look at our next one, Jessica, if we can. Okay, quarantine richon, is to say, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 3. This is the seventh mystery found in the New Testament. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Ruach and power. Because guess what? He was weak. He was fearful. He was trembling. He didn't know what he was going to say. He Didn't know how he was going to do it. He couldn't prepare a speech. He did, he wasn't wise. You know, the words wouldn't come to him. But guess what? He was made powerful by the Ruach Hakodesh. That's how the power came from came from the Ruach, not him. Why did it happen that way? That your belief should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of Yah. A very important point. You know, when you hear somebody speak, oh, that guy's got a good point. Oh, that's really, that's quite, you know, that logic really makes a lot of sense to me. Boom, 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 boom. But that's not the issue. What is the issue is the power of Yahweh, this power of the Ruach, this ability of the Ruach to move and create it and bring life right now, right? And power and authority into the life of everyone listening to this broadcast to rise you up to do incredible things in the kingdom. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of Yahweh in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. Now, wait a minute, just wait a minute. We speak the wisdom of Yah in a mystery even the hidden wisdom which Yahweh ordained before the world unto our glory. Okay, boom, here comes. Crack open the mystery. Crack open the mystery. Uh, yeah, here we go. And when you look at this, you say, all right, we speak the wisdom of Yah in a mystery. Okay, so what is the wisdom of Yah? I mean, that's the question. What is the wisdom of Yah? And But we do know this, that this wisdom was hidden and which Yahweh ordained before the world unto our glory, unto our glory. And so a lot of this wisdom that you see here when you when you talk about Yah's wisdom is that Yah in his infinite plan, his miraculous plan and his beautiful plan is that you have this idea of creation, creation coming in, men falling, with men falling, you see that from here that he comes to mankind with what? A covenant Torah, which he gives orally and then gives in writing, this covenant Torah. It's really quite, quite spectacular. And he does it in order to bring to atonement through his manifestation in the flesh, the whole of mankind back into the kingdom, which is our glory, that mankind would join with the angels in an eternal glorification of the Father.
1: Hallelujah. So, Doctor Pigeon, I I want to interject here. So, uh, does is, do you think that this is why Yahusha came speaking in parables or speaking in mysteries? Because they it, wisdom, he was really basically basically housing wisdom. Uh, In his speech, his dominion was that he was wise. He was speaking with wisdom and therefore bringing clarity to the mind of men uh, because the mind of men had been exalted above the knowledge of Yahuwah and therefore needed to be pulled down under under the submission of Yahusha. And therefore wisdom, according to James chapter 3, verse 17, Uh, is what comes from above, from the ha or the heavens or from Yahuwah. Do you think then that this is what it's saying? Um, Even more so, it says, yet not the wisdom of this world, right? Nor of the princes of the world that come to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of Yahuwah in a mystery. So in other words, do you think that perhaps wisdom needs to be revealed? It needs to be unfolded. It's something that has to be uh, revealed to the mind and the heart of the man. Because even Yahushua says that we're transformed by renewing our minds.
0: Yeah, I mean, and when you talk about this, when you say, okay, we speak the wisdom of Yah in a mystery, even right. hidden wisdom. Now, a lot of that hidden wisdom, you know, one way to understand Beautiful. wisdom is that it is knowledge and understanding.
1: Ability so, to walk in it, to do it.
0: Yeah, to know. So you, you you look and you know, you know what's going on and you understand what that means. I mean, I'll give you an example. I used to wonder about this when I was a kid. You know, if you're if you're driving a car, and you go around a corner too fast, your wheels come off the ground, and at some point you could roll, right? Yeah, amen, amen, Doc holiday yeah, amen. What uh, Doc says, amen to that. Give the testimony of Yahushua Yahweh. Yeah, and that's a great word. But you know, when you're when you're driving the car, you see, you say, okay, look, if I go around this corner and a particular corner, if I go around this corner at 55, my tires will hold to the ground. But at some exact speed, whether it's 55, 65, 67.29 miles per hour, at some point I'm going to go too fast and that car is going to flip. Right? Now, a good driver will say, well, I'm going to do 50 around that corner. A race car driver says if it's 67.29, I can do 66.99 and not flip. Right? And so you can push it right up to that very, 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 very edge. But, you, but wisdom is knowing that point of human experience. When you look at human experience and you say, this becomes too much. This is nothing. This is something. This is a lot. This is too much. And you can look at that and you can see it. You can see the human interactivity. You can see. And so when you talk about this, the wisdom of Yah in a mystery, this wisdom of Yah that Yah gives us, and he gives it to us over a lifetime, it's not something you know, I remember when I was I was 48 years old and I was at a board meeting and I get to the board meeting and the, these guys who were 51 and 52 were just eating my lunch. It's like, hey, you know, I'm 48 here. I'm not some, you know, uh, young punk here that doesn't know what he's doing. I'm 48. I'm educated. I should be able to hold my own with these 50 year olds. But these guys who are just a few years older than me knew exactly what was going on in my mind. They knew exactly how to anticipate it and they knew exactly how to to move against it. And they were eating my lunch, right? I was talking with another friend of mine who's my age. I'm going to be 65 here in just a couple of days. And we were talking and he said, you know, yeah, you know, he says, now I've hit a level of wisdom I haven't had my whole life. I've finally hit this level of wisdom. And the level of wisdom is such that you just see things in life. You know, as uh, Eric Bissell said to me last week, he says, you know, you stand up for the name and you sit down for the Sabbath, right? That's, (laughs) That's an essential... You know, that's, that's an essential wisdom, right? And I, I just cheered about him. I, you know, I gave him a high five for that. It's a, such an essential wisdom. And in a very few words, but it's a concept that we can understand and see. And so when we look at human life, this wisdom of Yah is this wisdom that says, okay, I'm going to reveal to you this manifestation of my son, because we know that life is suffering. We know that life is suffering. There's been this suffering on the world that has taken place since Adam was kicked out of the garden. You know, cursed is the ground for your sake, and you shall eat out of it all the days of your life, and and you, the woman, shall always have pain and labor and so forth. And, you know, we have the loss of our loved ones to deal with, and we have this and the loss of finances, and we struggle here and we struggle there. Some some, uh, philosophers have written, you know, I think it was Henry David Thoreau that says, most men live lives of quiet desperation. Quiet desperation, you know? And so... uh, it's It's certainly a point. And so when you see these kinds of things, you see this kind of um you know, this kind of angst, if you will, in life, you're asking yourself the question, what is this plan? Do we ever have a plan? Will Israel ever be restored? Will we ever be forgiven? Will we ever have a king that is perfect? Or will we always be stuck with the king we elected because of the transgression in Second Samuel eight? Those are questions, right? And so when we look at these things, we see this suffering. We see this kind of, you know, this angst in life. And yet there is a beauty. And the beauty is, is that you have this Mashiach who comes, this manifestation of Yah in the flesh. And he comes and says, come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And I will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light.
1: That's right.
0: Such an important point.
1: You know, it's it's interesting that, again, Yahusha spoke uh, with these types of figures of speech. He spoke with illustrations of something that could not be seen in the natural. This is why he used parables or mashal, which was his given authority to be able to speak such things, to speak about such matters. But more than anything, Dr. Pigeon, what's interesting is that the, in the Greek, the word parable is a compound word of two words, para or para, which means um, alongside and um, balo. So para balo, balo means to cast your seed or to cast or to broadcast. It's where we get the term broadcasting. It was a, a agricultural term that's, that uh, farmers would use when they would take their seed and balo or Broadcasted out into the field. And again, we see that word being applied to newscasters or broadcasters today, such as what we're doing right now, which we're broadcasting. Uh, so, parabolo means uh, basically this parabolo or this parable is what Yahusha was broadcasting the seed or broadcasting the word in order to bring the individual alongside or into the sight of. But what's interesting is that later on, you know, he, he gave. Hard speeches, hard sayings, maxim, pithies, all these, these riddles, these conundrums, uh, things, these mysteries for them to figure things out. Why? I believe that it was necessary for him to veil these things from the carnal mind because Yahuwah says that he will not share his chabad, his glory with man or with carnal man. But later on when Yahusha, after his resurrection, he is walking along the wayside and they see him and he's in his his uh, his form. He hadn't yet it ascended. Horrifying.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: yeah, he hadn't ascended yet, and they, they don't recognize him. He breaks bread, he eats, he breaks, you know, sits at the tish with him, and he breaks bread, he eats, and it says that he breathes upon them. And of course, the story is more in depth, but basically he breathes upon them, uh, upon their minds, and, and he opens up the matrix, or he opens up their understanding, Dr. Pigeon, and all things are made common, or known, not common, but plain to them. They're made known to him. So what's interesting, Dr. Pigeon, is that we may desire to search these things out, but it's Yahuwah who reveals reveals them to us, which Amen. is why I claim that we have to have an intimate relationship with the set-apart spirit of Yahuwah who searches out all things, even the deep things of Yahuwah. As we develop that relationship with the set-apart spirit, the Ruach will then reveal these things to us or breathe life into the scriptures that are abiding, the seed that is in us, and that seed will then begin to flourish.
0: Oh, amen, amen. Beautifully said, beautifully said, Jessica. I mean, that's beautifully said. I think it's very accurate. And, you know, he breathed on them and he said, receive ye the Ruach HaKodesh. Now, uh, I'm not going to, I won't get into the word receive yet. That's for another show. But when he said, receive ye the Ruach HaKodesh, he was that impartation of that breathing of the Ruach HaKodesh. Now it's going to become much more because they did receive it at that point. But when the tongues of fire come on Come on, then. they're empowered by it. They're empowered by the Ruach HaKodesh, right? Hallelujah. Well, dude, all right, let's take a look at another mystery and see if we can put another net since we're all so all-knowing here. You see, we've solved every mystery so far, Jessica. Have you noticed that? <laughs> we've solved every mystery. Okay, Paul recites to us yet another mystery. Now, many claim that this verse supports the doctrine of the rapture, right? Which is what we've been talking about there in Second Thessalonians. However, regardless of your preference, the verse nonetheless reveals the mystery. Oh, I'm sorry. We need to go back one because I forgot to read the, the, um, uh, the rest of that particular verse. OK. So here it says, uh, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. OK, boom. Now here we're going to talk about that part in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the shofar shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now, you know, before we go to the next slide, you know, we looked at Genesis 6-4 last week, talking about the na- naphalim. We saw those who had immortality put on corruption and became mortal. I mean, that's what takes place in 6-4. They had immortality, they put on corruption, and they became mortal. Here we see we're going to see a change. This is the mystery. Here, what's the mystery? The mystery is we're going to go from being mortal in a corrupt flesh to taking on incorruption and taking on immortality. That's what's going to take place. Now, people say, well, I know exactly when that's going to take place. It's going to take place here, or it's going to take place there. But, you know, no. If you look here, you seven things. several things are going to happen. One, the shofar shall sound. Two, the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Three, we shall be changed. Four, corruptibility will put on incorruption. And five, mortal man will put on immortality. It's a great mystery to be sure. And it's certainly the greatest of all promises. Because of course, we all want to put on immortality. We want to put on an incorrupt body. We want to put on a body that is without pain, without disease, without sickness, without aging. Yes, it would be great to put on this body. And it would be great to put on this immortality. And You know, when you talk about the dead being raised incorruptible, you know, this is the dead, all of a sudden, boom, everybody up, let's go. You guys all thought you were dead. There's nothing left. You know, you're ashes to ashes, dust to dust, everybody up, boom, everybody's raised incorruptible. Now, who among us, you know, we all stand over here saying, oh, well, we know we're smart enough to be able to deal with all that. You know, we've read the scripture, we can handle it. You just wait until you're sitting on an earth that's got 7 million people on it. I mean, I want you to think about how many dead there are for just a moment, right? If you have two parents and they have two parents, which is necessarily the case, then you go back to your parents, that's two. Back to their parents is two squared or four people. You go back to their parents, that's two to the third power. That's eight people, right? By the time you go back, figuring that thing out logarithmically, back to just the time of Mashiach, you're going to find that you have over... Two trillion ancestors. Each person has over two trillion ancestors, and so people say, "Well, there's you know there's cross pollinization obviously." Well, obviously, of course there is. But how many people will be on Earth when the dead are raised incorruptible? Okay, next slide. Ephesim or Ephesians chapter one. Okay, now we're gonna Paul's gonna start hitting some stuff here, and it's gonna be hitting us between the eyes. Wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. Okay, okay, New Testament guys. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. All right, so do we know that? And if you don't know that, then who are you that you don't know the mystery of his will? Because according to this, Paul says he's made known to us the mystery of his will. You know, in in Hebrew, you have this this word ratzon, right? Ratzon. And so, you know, it's a common phrase in Hebrew, you know, be is rat yahuah, you know, by the will of Yah. By the will of Yah, I will do this. He has made known to us the mystery of his will. And what is the mystery of his will, right? That all should be saved and none should be lost. What is the mystery of his will? That he has created us and he calls us all back to his kingdom. What is the mystery of his will that he desires us, that he wants to know us? What is the mystery of his will that those who confess him will never be snatched out of his hand? Never snatched out of his hand. Never snatched out of his hand. Never. You know, if I could share for just one second, Jessica. There was a time when I had a, you know, I had a, a lucid dream of vision, if you will. And this angel had taken me, was going to show me the gates of hell. I'm thinking, all right, all right, you know, I guess, I don't know. I just went, you know, and so we get to this area and there are these two doors and they're like made out of heavy lead and the doors are about this wide, this thick, right? They're about this thick and they're huge beyond belief. I mean, I don't know how tall they were. They were maybe 40 feet, maybe 60 feet. And each door was very, very wide, about 20 feet wide. Anyway so he pushes open this door and we walk in and if the the floor is black marble you know just polished clean black marble and there is nothing on the floor and the floor is black marble and it goes out this way and then it makes a hard left right and here when it makes the left it becomes a bridge like a jet you know a jetting bridge out over this cavern okay so We're walking up, and as we walk up to where the the thing makes the hard left, we get there, and there is Mashiach sitting there. And he looks at the angel, and he says, where are you taking him? And the angel says, I'm just showing him. I'm just showing him. And he says, okay, because I'm not going to be snatched out of his hand. I'm not going to be snatched out of his hand. But then we make a left, and we go down this ramp a little bit. And we go down the ramp, and I look out, and I see this abyss. And this abyss is just, you know, it's flames, and it's hot, and it's lava, you know, this kind of thing. And in the middle of this pit is this churning lava mountain It's doing this, you know, like this. The, the, the lava's coming up over the top and churning, and there's all these people in this lava, and it's, you know, coming up over the top, and you're screaming, and the, only, you hear the screams in the hall is, you know, down below and I'm looking at that, and I'm going, you know, okay, wow, wow, wow. But at the very end of the black marble platform, the very end, there was an angel lying there at the edge of that platform weeping. And, and the angel told me, there is an angel who weeps at this place 24 hours a day, all constantly. Forever, there's always an angel at this place weeping over those souls in this pit. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, you know, so the thing is, is that when you see this, so I want to just give the assurances to the brothers and sisters. Many brothers and sisters I know have lived lives of, you know, accidental mistake, right? You know, when I was 18 years old, I was certain I could live my life better than my parents, right? I know i can do a better job than you people right (laughs) by the the time i was 26 i must have made 2,000 more mistakes than they did in their lifetime you know yeah
1: yeah wow it's pretty heavy dr p yeah i mean
0: i i didn't mean to get sidetracked but you know the thing is that is that the messiah look the messiah knows us ya knows us he knows us He knows our sins. He knows our failings. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our flesh. He knows everything about us. Nonetheless, he has called us. He still loves us. He wants us to do the work in the kingdom. He has forgiven us. And he has said, just do my work, do the work I've called you to do, right? These, as we come into these end times, we're at the place now, Jessica, where we have to stand up. We have to, we have to do the work he's called us to do. We have to be fearless, we have to be strong, we have to be brave. We have to take the slings and arrows. We have to put on the armor, we have to charge forward. Hallelujah. We have to work while there is still light.
1: Hallelujah. Mike, where's my mic? I'm going to drop it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know it's it's wonderful Dr. Pigeon that that we are preaching a gospel of hope, or the good news is that there is hope, even for those um, who would consider themselves to be of the utmost corruption. And I know that I considered myself to be completely abased. I mean, i I could that that was the view that I had of myself. But I, I came to know how Yahuwah thought of me, uh, which mattered more than what I thought of myself. Amen. What's interesting, Dr. Pigeon, is I, I learned that he did not despise my weak frame and and even my, my weak reach. You know, I, I tried to love back. I didn't know how. But he taught me these things. And in time, I learned uh, to be an expression of his love, his beauty here on Earth. Do I make mistakes? Absolutely. I don't think that he wants us to not make mistakes. I think, again, it's, it is like you said, it's about a relationship and having a revelation. But more than anything, Dr. Pigeon, as we become more intimately acquainted with him, through His Word, uh, Doctor Pigeon, I think it begins to remove the dross and the compromise from our hearts, so that we can stand affirmed. So that when the enemy does come, we are not threatened. Uh, that there, he finds nothing in us, even as Yahusha was found to be without sin, without compromise. Think about it, Doctor P. If we are not willing to compromise, if we, if those things are being worked out of us for our own good sake then when the enemy comes, we will not buckle for fear. We Amen. will not be anxious, right? We'll be able to stand in the day.
0: Amen. And and that is, I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, you have one of two things, right? One, you're, you're lying on your deathbed. And, you know, I have this expectation when I'm lying on my deathbed, I'm going to see Mashiach. Yeah.
1: And
0: we're going to talk.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Yeah. And... But if you're not on your deathbed and you're in a situation where somebody is questioning your faith with a 357 at your
1: forehead. Think about it. Think about it. They're
0: Saying, you know, do you confess Mashiach or not? Right. You remember the girl who did the first casualty at Columbine High School? Do you believe in God? Yes or no? Right. And he had, you know, he had it right at her head. And she, knowing he was going to pull that trigger, said, yes, I do. Boom. She was gone.
1: But in Oregon, too, there was another instance where that happened, example where that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But we celebrate them right here now. We remember them. We celebrate them. We know that they have a place in the kingdom.
1: Courageous.
0: Yeah. Courageous. 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 May we have that courage.
1: Absolutely. Hallelujah. Ooh, So again this this whole message tonight is that it was really not even a message it's more of an invitation that there's something more and that we shouldn't be afraid or intimidated because of what the world has done to the concept of a mystery, right, Dr. Pigeon? Because again, this is applicable to us. What does a mystery mean, Dr. Pigeon? Does it mean becoming more acquainted with something that is otherwise obscure? Uh, I think so, right? Something that is a conundrum because Yahuwah is exactly that. He's a conundrum. He's a he's a he's a parable, he's a mystery. And how how is it that we're going to have understanding if we do not wrestle? With that truth, we don't wrestle with these things. Our mind will lean on our own understanding, and in that place is where there's great opportunity to fail.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, when it we, is. Yeah, and again, you'll see, just as Paul said, you will be trapped by your vain conceits. You will be saying in your own mind, There is no mystery. I know I don't need to search it out. I've got my wisdom, I don't need to search out the mystery, right? right. Okay. But here, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, that in the stewardship of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Mashiach, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Okay, so here comes Paul saying, let's talk about this mystery of his will. What's the mystery of his will? That all of this stuff that is disparate, all over the place, right? Not just the stuff that's on earth, but the stuff that's in heaven, heaven, and the stuff that is in him. We're gathering it all together. We're going to gather it all together. In the fullness of time, he's going to gather it into Echad, into Echad. And so this becomes, you know, it's huge. I mean, the will of Yahweh is described in the Greek word by this word thelema, thelema or thelema, construed as meaning, determination, a choice, inclination, desire, pleasure, or will. And Ivrit. the word is ratzon, ratzon which means to delight in, to be acceptable, to desire, to favor, good pleasure, to will, or as would, as would. And so what we see here is that this is Yah's choice, his good pleasure, his will, his determination, his choice, his inclination, this mystery that Paul is saying, can we look at the mystery of what is his choice, his inclination, his desire, his pleasure, or his will? And what Paul is saying is that mystery, if you can try to understand it here, is that he's going to gather the things out in the heavens and the things here on earth, and all is going to become one in Mashiach. Now, this is beyond a conceptualization by a human being. I mean, it really is, a you know, when you start talking about, you know, like, for instance, Jessica, you know that we're going to eventually do a show with uh, Zen Garcia, And we're going to have this fantastic discussion about cosmology. And, you know, I'll just give you a hint about the cosmology I'm going to present, which is a cosmology of 10 heavens above and seven heavens below. And that, you know, that these are actually, you know, round things, right? Spheres, if you will. Spherical, yeah. Spherical, a spherical cosmology that goes from this microspect and then there's another layer, and another layer, and another layer, until we get to the rakia. And then from there, boom, 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 there's 10 above that, all occupying different dimensions, all occupying different frequencies, different spaces in time. Now, that's my cosmology, you know, it kind of in a nutshell. We'll get into much more of it when we get into more detail about Scripture and so forth. But Mashiach is going to take all of that, it's going to go, boom, it's going to become one thing, one thing, one thing. This means that he who is in the densest part of the microcosm is going to be able to see and understand and know he who is at the farthest extent of the macrocosm. Right? Mm-hmm. And but I mean this is the kind of thing, I mean, this is what I think of when Paul is saying, I'm gonna make all of this one thing. It's a huge, huge mystery. I mean, well yeah. I think Dr. I- Pigeon,
1: you know. Could it could it be so simple? Listen, honestly, the other day we were having this discussion here in my home. And I thought, what if, Dr. Pigeon, what if, what if one of the mysteries, this particular one here, the will of Yahuwah, his good pleasure, that that we would obviously be be uh, one with Yahusha, but also there is another instance where we're told that his good pleasure, his his will, is for us to be fruitful, that we would produce, that we would be perfect or mature, uh, that is lacking nothing. And it's interesting because in the garden, in the, in the place of of creation where Yahua creates uh, all things, he gives commission to the man to to do stuff to do things he gives them a purpose he he puts he gives them initiative and he puts that initiative uh, in his blood and that blood is supposed it's supposed to drive him could it be dr pigeon that our ultimate purpose and therefore our pleasure could be to actually do his will. I mean, could it be that simple? Could it be that the enemy has manipulated us into believing that his will is a burden and that it's so burdensome that we need to cast it off of our shoulders and pick up our own burdens and that that in doing so we can pursue happiness and, and prosperity and all the things that are left to the imagination. But really, we we find that our life has become so cumbersome by sin and by folly. And really, could it be that the simplicity, the simplicity of pleasure is truly doing his will? I know, Dr. Pigeon, for me... The simplicity of his commands. When he, I say, sometimes I tell him, Father, just, just tell me to do it and I'll do it. Give me the give me the grace to do it because my, my flesh doesn't want to. Amen. But just give me the strength to do it. And I want to do it. What can I do? What more can I do for you? Beautiful king. You know, it, I, I get excited. I want to do for my king. Could that be it? Could it be that easy? Dr. It,
0: that's, yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. But keep in mind, that there is still more love from the father coming. Okay.
1: Oh, he goodness says, yes, gracious. He
0: says, yes I, I want you to do, I want you to do my, my will. Yes. But I want you to be creative yeah. in my will. Of course. I, you know, like, uh, he told, you know, he told me in prayer one night, he said, look, Stephen, you have to compose more music on this earth. Because we want that music in heaven. It's not up to you to say, oh, gee, I should perform it here, write it here, do this or do that. We want you to compose that music here on earth so that we have it here in heaven. And, oh, and because he, he loves our creativity. He loves, he wants us to, you know, to plant a garden, if you will, in on, on heavenly soil. Right? Okay, but
1: he gave you that commission, right? He said he he. You know that he commissioned you to do that. So when you respond to that, don't you receive the pleasure of responding? In other words, it's not a burden, is it?
0: It's not a no, no. There's no burden. See
1: what I'm saying?
0: No, no. It's. I mean, this is when you're talking about your life is on fire. Woo. Right, I mean, all, like it's all of a sudden. There's, you know, there is no yes. burden. There is no burden. No and this, when you know, when people say, you know, you're not, you're, you, should never say the burden of the Lord. Don't ever say the burden of Yah. The burden of the Torah. Forget it. If you have a burden in your life, give it to Him. <laughs> right? Give <laughs> your burden to Him. He'll take the burden. He, he doesn't have any problem carrying any burden. Period. Any single burden you have, He has no problem carrying it. None whatsoever. You have a problem carrying it. I'm carrying this burden. You know, I got all this luggage. I got all this baggage. I got all this. I got all that. I got this. I got that. Take it off. Give it to him.
1: (laughs) Hallelujah.
0: And you know what he does is, you know, look, this stuff here, I created all the creation. You think your burden is going to burden me? It's not going to burden me. And, you know, and then to come alive in the kingdom, what he's called you to do is just, look, I put you on this planet so that you can create. I put you on this planet to add to it. I put you on this planet to be a beautiful steward. I put you on this planet to take care of it, to grow things, to make things happen, to, you know, to do the beautiful and the wonderful.
1: Be this expression of who I am in you, through you, by you, in your your weakness. Yes. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect, mature, complete. And YAH is love. And I don't think people understand that if he's abiding in us by proxy through his Ruach, the Ruach is expressing the beauty of who he is—that—that's—that's that's that beautiful reciprocity, that relationship, that harmonious relationship between the Creator and the creation. How wonderful is that? You know, it's interesting, Doctor Pigeon. Of all the other um, concepts of gods—I don't want to say other gods, but Elohim, Achrim, or other mighty ones out there—that uh, propose to be gods. What's interesting is that that they were all—they all seem to be created. Uh, by and through the expression of man in man's image, all these other gods—they have mis- they make mistakes. They—they they get killed, you know. All they have—all these, fra- you know, these, these issues that men have. But Elo- the, 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 the difference between all these myths, these other gods is they were all created in man's image, right? But Yahuwah created us in his image. I thought that was so interesting. When I was looking at the characteristics of these other gods, you know, you got Buddha, he's a big fat dude, and you got all these other, you got (laughs) Shiva and and the fame and for. But I mean, you have all of the human frailties attached to these other gods, because it's like if men needed something to relate to above and beyond themselves, but not the one true living God, but they had to create something that was a higher power and so they did in their own image this is what makes them fallible but yahuwah being infallible uh it created us in his image talk about a lack of a lack of insecurity i mean he created us in his image a beautiful refraction
0: that's right it's a beautiful image and so even though paul talks about this war between the flesh and the spirit the flesh still has its beauty on this earth. We were created to live out our lives and to live our lives within this inner beauty and it's an inner beauty and an outer beauty. you know, Paul carried around this burden of a thorn in his side, right? And as he carried around that that burden in his flesh, nonetheless, nonetheless, we have this we can have these lives of joy and we can live these lives of joy in the flesh, you know knowing that to strive to make our lives good and righteous and holy. And while the spirit isn't being nurtured and created and being made better. So you don't condemn yourself and say, I got to get out of this life right now because I need to get to heaven. That's not the point. You were called and commissioned to be here for such a time as this to live out your life in fullness. Okay.
1: Hallelujah, All right. you, Dr. P. All right,
0: let's do it. Let's see if we can. Okay, let's see what's next. All right, let's try our next slide. We've seen the mystery of the will of Yah. Now what comes? Well, what's our next mystery? Okay. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Yahushua HaMashiach, for you other nations, if he have heard of the stewardship of the grace of Yahweh, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation, he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote before in a few words. Okay, now here, this is a great a piece that Paul is saying because he's saying, look, my commission as an apostle is a mystery because he made known to me the mystery you know in this mystery he was knocked down off the mule and spoken to in Hebrew paul why do you persecute me why are you doing these things and then you see these 14 years paul is gone and he's being given this whole thing and paul says look i was with mashiach it wasn't that you know people say he was never a, uh, he was never an eyewitness to the crucifixion he was never an eyewitness to the life but he was with Yahusha after that period of time. It wasn't Gamaliel that trained Paul, it was Yahusha who trained Paul, and he did it in a mystery. It's a mystery of this teaching that was imparted to Paul, right? This mystery. And so, you know, what is this mystery? Well, that Paul could commune with the risen Mashiach. I mean, I think that's what the mystery is here, right? Let's look at our next slide here. When we get into this, this passage, we'll continue. Whereby, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Mashiach, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, but is now revealed. Let's go back one more. Okay, there it is. Which, which is now revealed. Right No, Back one more. Up to a number 11. There, right there. Was made known to the sons of men. Is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Ruach. Okay. So we know that the Ruach is the one that's coming in. And is giving this impartation after the ascension of Mashiach. It's the Ruach that's doing it. But the other ages it was not known. So this is why, you know, this is why they could not see him. You know, there's this is passage that takes place in the Gospels. I come in the name of the Father, and you do not know me. Another will come in his own name, him he will follow. You know, like for instance, King James, you know, he came in his own name. People follow, they want to follow King James, they don't want to follow Yahusha. Who came in the name of Yahweh and said, "I come in the name of my Father, but you do not know me." Why didn't they know Him? Because they had the ineffable name doctrine. Don't say that name. Whatever you do, don't pronounce it because somebody might recognize it. Zip it. Be quiet. Don't say it. We'll, we'll cut your head off if you say it. And here he is saying, "So now, here I'm here. If you had been saying the name, you'd know that my name is His name. Yahweh, Yahusha. I mean, I come in His name. You guys don't know me, right?" So it was not made known unto the sons of men. They were expecting, you know, David, this big David to show up, who was going to come in there and stomp Rome and stomp Greece and, you know, stomp Genghis Khan and everybody else. And there was going to be one king and he was going to be it because their concept of the king was someone who ruled as a tyrant, someone who ruled as a despot, someone who ruled as a czar. But he didn't rule as a czar. He did trample the Roman Empire. He did trample the Roman Empire. He did trample Babylon. He did trample Persia. He did trample Egypt. He did trample Assyria. He trampled all of that understanding, that spiritual understanding, trampled all of it. He trampled all of it. And he did so by being a humble servant and dying on the cross. I mean, that's how he did it. And he did it without even speaking you know, he came to the cross and he said, look, I can call an army if I want, but you I have a kingdom that is not of this world. I have a different kingdom. And even Pilate was like, okay, this guy is overwhelming me. I don't want to put this guy to death. His wife is in there saying, Pilate, get away from this guy. Get away from this guy. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Pilate goes out and says, well, I got the answer. I'll wash my hands. I wash my hands right here. I'm washing my hands. You see this? This is not my doing. I'm washing my hands. You're doing not my well, he can wash his hands all he want. He's still, his name is still attached to that crucifixion. And it was attached to that crucifixion even in Rome. And, of course, if you read the the uh, Acts 29 that's found in the At Zephyr, you'll see that Pilate committed suicide. He jumped down the face of a cliff in Switzerland, and Paul went to visit the site. And that is reaffirmed, by the way, in the, in the Roman record that Pilate did, in fact, do that. Okay, so... What we see here, he says, okay, and to make all men see, what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden in Yahweh, who created all things in Yahusha HaMashiach? So what is this fellowship? This fellowship that was hidden is this fellowship between Yahweh and Yahusha. Now, that fellowship isn't really well hidden because it's expressed very clearly in the Aleph. In the the Hebrew letter Aleph, where you see the son sitting at the, the working of the son sitting at the right hand of the working of the father, divided by the nail. The nail was always anticipated in human history. The nail was always anticipated in human history that he would die by the nail. Always anticipated, right? But he says, from the beginning of the world, it's been hidden in Yahweh who created all things by Yahusha HaMashiach. Now here, Paul is telling you the same thing John tells you in John 1.1, right? In John, you know, that in the beginning was the word, the word was Elohim, the word was with Elohim. He was with Elohim, or Elohim was with him in the beginning, right? Through him, all things were made. Nothing was made except through him. Through him, all things were made. So when you see all of creation, the rakia, the waters above, the water below, all of this, was created by Yahusha. Now, but Yahusha is not this some independent entity who just like shows up from a galaxy far, far away. He is the manifestation of a burning, consuming fire that is an eternal God, right? This eternal Yahweh. Yahweh is made. So this mystery of Yahweh in the heaven, like people ask the question, was Yahweh in heaven the same time Yahusha was on earth? And the answer is yes. Now, can we do that? No. Can Yah do that? Yes. He can make himself manifest in the flesh sure he's fully human and fully Elohim while he is still retains the position on the throne in the heavens, watching his creation unfold. Possible. Okay. Ephesians 3, 10 through 12. To the intent now that under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the call out assembly of the manifold wisdom of Yahweh. The manifold wisdom of Yahweh according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Mashiach Yahusha or Adonai in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by belief in him. The manifold wisdom of Yahweh, right? That So this mystery that is given to us in this fellowship between Yahweh and Yahusha includes knowing the manifold wisdom of Yahweh according to his eternal purpose, which is his will, which he purposed in Mashiach Yahusha Adonai in whom we have boldness and access. That is to say, there is no veil in the temple uh, by confidence and by belief in him, you see. So once again, we're back to this mystery of the hidden wisdom, the manifold wisdom of Yahweh, and the mystery of the will of Yahweh, his eternal purpose. Okay, next. Okay, so if uh, once again, go ahead. Uh, Now, here we go. Ephesians again. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto a woman. They two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. We've talked about this before. we talked about this. It's a great mystery that this DNA joins, right? We see the DNA joining in the child that's produced, but there's also a DNA conjunction between man and wife whether no child is produced. There is a DNA conjunction. But what's more interesting is that that a an, a lifelong marital relationship becomes one flesh. Now sometimes that flesh is not very pretty, but sometimes it is very pretty. You know, the in the movie Doctor Zhivago, there's a scene where they're on the train and they're going out to the Urals and they're all stuffed in this boxcar with no windows and no bathrooms and they got this you know heater in the middle. Anyway, they're trying to make good on these you know these you know absolutely you know pathetic beds that they're all crammed into. But there is a couple that, I don't know, they appear to be in their late 60s or 70s, and they're going to sleep at night, and, you know, he's kissing his wife goodnight because they still love each other after all these years of marriage, you know. And Shivago smiles when he sees such a beautiful thing you know, in this couple. And because a, a couple that is is like that for those many years does become one flesh. And, of course, in Matthew, we see it here again where he says, haven't you read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Okay, now that's first clue. For those of you who think there's more than that, he who made us made us male and female. He didn't throw in other options. And he said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and, and his mother and cleave to his woman. And they, not with mom and dad still being involved, he and his woman shall become one flesh. Right? Next slide. I don't know if we're going to be able to get through all these, uh, uh, Jessica, but we'll we'll see what we can do. Okay, Colossians. Now here we're going to hit stride here. This is going to become very difficult, okay? Colossians, wherefore I am made a minister according to the stewardship of Yah, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of Yahweh. Okay, so he's a minister to fulfill the word of Yahweh. Even the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, which is now made manifest to his Kodeshim. Now part of that mystery is what? And we have this mystery that is contained in Leviticus 17, 11, which is that for the soul of the flesh is in the blood, he and I have given that blood to you on an altar as atonement for your sins, for his blood in your soul is atonement. This is the mystery that from the beginning of time, there was one blood contemplated, the blood of Mashiach, which is not human blood. It contains a miraculous Y DNA from a heavenly creator, and that blood would be given, would be shed. When that blood was shed, that would be the atoning grace for all of mankind, those who were born up until that point and those who would be born after that point, and that you would have access to that blood and that atonement by a simple confession of faith with your mouth, that you believe that that blood was atonement for your sins, right? This This was hidden for generations, but also that he who shed that blood would rise again from the grave, would ascend to heaven, that he is a living Yah, that this word made flesh would reunite with the father. When Mashiach says, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. And yet the flesh of Mashiach is nonetheless marked with the nails of that cross in both hands and in both feet. And it still has the hole in his side. It is glorified body, right? Okay, Colosseum, Colossians. Uh, 127, to whom Yahweh would make known what is the richest of the glory of this mystery among the other nations, which is Mashiach in you, the hope of glory. So, it, it, you know, when, when once we are children of the Messiah, and this is, a, this is the issue we raised before, Jessica, we're talking about the called-out assembly, we're talking about people who have Mashiach in them, the Messiah is in them, they are walking out this with the Messiah in them, right? John 17, uh, 26, you know, I have declared your name unto them and will declare it, that the love of you that is in me might be in them and me in them. You see, it is this calling of the name that puts the love of Yah in you, understanding this name and calling out this name. Mashiach is in you and you with Mashiach in you, stepping out unto the other nations now you are the light. Now you are his ambassador. Now you are his agent, and the other nations are called. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. Now, next slide. Okay, uh, this is Colossians 2, 1, 3. For I would that you know what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, not Laodicea, but Laodicea, and for many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance and understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of Yahweh and of the father and of mashiach in whom are are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge all right so here we go he's talking about the, the hidden wisdom again the knowledge all these treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden within jump to the next slide here jessica when we look at this next slide what we're going to see here uh yeah okay, Colossians, right? Again, 4.3, with all praying also for us that Yahweh would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Mashiach, for which I am also in bonds, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Now, again, we had Mashiach talking about this, not to cast your pearls before swine, and uh, Solomon talks about it, too, do not rebuke a fool, and so on and so forth. You have to be careful about how you w- redeem the time among those uh, that, that you meet. Walk in wisdom towards those those that are outside. You don't come up to somebody and say, you know, hey, you're not getting it, you idiot. Or, you know, you're not pronouncing the name right. You know, therefore, you're cast out of the kingdom. Only our people are going to, are going to heaven, right? You have to walk with wisdom to be gentle, to be humble, to be kind, to be friendly, and to be sharing the word. And if you do that, then you will be walking in wisdom, okay? Let your speech always be with grace and with salt, right? Be grace with grace, seasoned with salt. Now, you know, unfortunately, my kids know my speech, so they recognize the salt right off the bat. No, Dad, no salt on the food, right? Right. It's, It's okay. It's okay. I love my kids. They're great. Okay, next. Let's take a look at that next slide, if we can. I know it's there somewhere. Okay, maybe it is. All right. So I'll, I'll come back to talking about the speech season with salt. When you go to talk with somebody, I think it's, you know, a lot of people ask the question, how do I introduce these ideas to my family? And, you know, when you go to introduce an idea to your family, you need to be, you know, you need to be gentle and humble. That's the first thing. And you just might try asking questions. Just ask questions. Questions are a better approach than condemnation, screaming and yelling, arguing, pounding your fist, and so on and so forth. Ask a question. So, for instance, a person says, well, there's no mysteries in the gospel. Well, did you know that there are 22 times that the word mystery appears and it only appears in the New Testament and not in the Old Testament? And then let them take it from there, right? Okay. Kizeon. Revelation 119. This one's going to be very straightforward, right? The things which you have seen and the things which aren't the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars. Okay, maybe not so straightforward. Which you saw in my right hand in the seven golden menorot or the menorahs. The seven stars are the angels of the seven called out assemblies and the seven menorah, which you saw of the seven called out assemblies. Now, you know, look, this this mystery of the angels and who they are, if the angels are occupying a, another dimensional heaven, and we're seeing, so, you know, our scientists say, well, those guys are 35 million light years from here. Well, that's one way of measuring it. But the fact is they may be much closer, but they may be in another dimension operating at another time. But in fact, what we see as stars are, in fact, angels, and that there are seven angels which operate and which Uh, uh, control the earth, right? Okay, next slide. So 20. Again, we're going to be looking at a revelation uh, passage. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swore by him that lives forever and ever. And by the way, that term swore in the Hebrew is Sheba, which could read and gave gave seven oaths by him that lives forever and ever who created the heaven and the earth and the things that are therein and the earth and the things that are, are and on the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer, okay? So here the angel, he's standing there, boom, he lifts his hand and says, no more. End of, we reach the end of the clock, hit the buzzer, eh, right? But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the seventh angel, when he begins to sound, sound what? His trumpet, the mystery of Yah should be finished, as he has declared unto his servants, the prophets. In other words, the age of mankind running the ship and making all the errors will finally come to a close hallelujah okay next slide okay again from revelation this from chapter 17. so he carried me away in the ruach unto the wilderness and i saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns now that's the beast not the woman right the beast has seven heads and ten horns and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Mystery, Mysterium, Babel the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the Kodashim, and with the blood of the martyrs of Yahusha. And when I saw her, I wondered with great abomination. Well, okay, so with this mystery, who is this mystery in Babel the Great, right? Because it's going to tell us that Babylon sits on many waters and so on and so forth. And we know that the city of Babel, which wasn't really destroyed, it just kind of faded away because it became, it was an impregnable fortress that became, you know, pregnable. And so as a result, it wasn't so much of a fortress anymore. Nobody thought it was great anymore. And everybody said, well, let's move on to someplace that's nicer and it's got a better climate. And so the place just kind of rotted off the hoof. And when you read when Peter was in Babylon, which you will read about historically or the Babylonian fortress, that Babylonian fortress was not in uh, the ancient site of Babylon, the Babylonian fortress is on the Nile river and it represented the old transit stream that used to come up the Nile. And then there was a canal dug to put ships into the Red Sea. And at that point where that canal met the Nile river was this city that became known as the Babylonian fortress. Now it's now a part of Cairo. But it, here in the Babylonian fortress is where Peter used to live, right? But when you talk about Mystery Babylon, you know, she's got the, you know, she the blood of the saints, the blood of the saints, and and those who confess Yahusha. So we have to ask ourselves the question, who is killing Yahusha, and who will be killing Yahusha, or the, the, the disciples of Yahusha? I mean, that's a question. And I think we, we may not yet see this Mystery Babylon, but we do know that We have the mother of harlots and of course a lot of people think it's the harlot church and of course, and other things. But I mean, I've heard a lot of theories on this and I think everybody does have a theory on it right now. It's a mystery. We won't know for sure until it happens, but we're close. Okay. And then finally, our last mystery that appears in the new Testament and the angel said unto me, this is revelation 17. Wherefore did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and 10 horns. The beast that you saw was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and where we go, uh, shall and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the sepher of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Okay. And there are seven kings, five are fallen. One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue for a short space. And the beast that was, and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goes into perdition. And the 10 horns, which you saw are 10 kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings as one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Okay, now we've all had our attitudes and our ideas about who, these 10 horns are these and these seven heads. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of discussion. I, you know, I know Wally Chubat and I shared ideas on this for a long time about this beast being rising Islam and so forth. And it, that may yet prove to be true, but I don't think so because I've been given a different revelation that, in fact, there's going to be a massive conversion uh, to the confession of Mashiach among Islam. It's going to be huge. It's going to be a massive conversion. It's going to shock everybody, but it's going to be a massive conversion. And the, uh, but, but what's taking place in terms of these mountains that are rising, you know, seven mountains, you know, can be construed as seven empires. You know, there is a seven empire relationship that's taking place in Asia right now. We know that there's a lot of vexation in Asia that's going on, right? I mean, you know, there's troops on the border of Hong Kong right now that are preparing to go into Hong Kong and Trump is telling the Chinese, don't you dare do it. Don't you dare do it. And the Chinese are saying, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. There are you know, there's been 80,000 troops deployed into the Kashmir region uh, between India and Pakistan, and India has proclaimed that section of Kashmir to belong to them. And so both India and Pakistan are gearing up for major war. That will be a nuclear confrontation almost certainly. Russia has just put 80,000 troops into Voronezh in the province of the Oblast of Voronezh, which borders on Lukansk and Donetsk in, uh, in Ukraine. There's a good chance that Russia may sweep down and try to make a connecting border, if you will, the Donetsk and, and Luhansk, uh, to connect that with Crimea or cream they call it, uh, in order to secure an area, including Odessa, which, of course, would make, which would make uh, what remains of Ukraine or the ukrainian speaking people will find themselves in a very small landlocked country, uh, a little bit bigger than Moldova, you know, twice the size of Moldova, but with no access to the Black Sea and so uh that would be a, of course a starvation point which would eventually force ukraine to capitulate once again under russian rule so you see that the all the borders of of asia of course north korea is firing missiles and testing uh, you know nuclear weapons again they haven't set off a nuclear weapon but they have been testing of course uh two-stage rockets that will allow them to uh, launch an intercontinental ballistic missile uh there's lots of people who believe they've already launched two satellites which orbit over the united states with neutron weapons over the top of them and of course those weapons are in my opinion iranian weapons and uh, so you have you know you have iran rising you have north korea rising you have china rising you have india pakistan and russia of course that are rising and iran and so we see this idea of seven heads coming out of asia and the seven heads you know growing over these seven kingdoms these seven and there'll be ten kings over this over this area and so on and so forth but it's a contemporary view what we do know is that mystery Babylon continues to rise. What we do see is this prophecy in Second Thessalonians coming to pass that the, the man of lawlessness, I think, will soon be with us. And this man of lawlessness will have the power of Satan, right? To do lying signs and wonders. That's not going to happen until how Satan is kicked to the earth. He's been kicked out of heaven. He's on his way here. He'll get here soon enough. And so between the rest of us, what we have to say for the rest of us is that we have, right? The, you know, these shall, yeah. Here, these shall make war with the Lamb. And the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Adonai chadolim, Melech ha-melekim. and they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And He said unto me, the waters which you saw where the horse sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Okay, now that would describe all of uh, Asia. And the ten horns which you saw upon the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Now, there are many people, some people say, well, the whore is the Catholic Church. Other people say, no, the whore is uh, Zionist Judaism. But most of the people in America believe that the whore is the United States, right? A compromised, uh, now uh, soulless and moralist, wicked, wicked uh, society.
1: Well, you said a lot, Dr. Pidgeon. Um, That's a whole nother subject that I think people would be interested in. You know, uh, ne- this Sunday, actually, we're going to have Fulton Sheen come on and share uh, some uh, some of the revelation that Yehu has given to him. And I, I know that he's very eager to talk about some of these political issues. It would be nice if you and him could actually do a show together and discuss some of the political stuff because he talks just like you do. I'm not really vested in the whole political world, but I do love listening to people I believe are. <laughs> and um, that's really how I, I try to get my information. Perhaps I should be, I just don't have the time. Um, but right now, but but I really appreciate, we come to the end of your slides here, but I really appreciate the fact that you brought out um, the beauty of Yahuwah's mysteries that have been embedded in his scriptures, What's interesting is I want to come back uh, to the verse that you began with, which was Deuteronomy 29, 29, and if I may uh, quickly, Dr. Pidgeon, uh, and if anybody has any questions or comments, you can go ahead and post them now. Just use the all caps feature so I can distinguish between your comments and your conversations. Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, the secret things belong to Yahuwah our Elohim, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. What's interesting is that this is the word in Hebrew, the word secret is safar. And you know, I know you've mentioned a few times that the English rendition uh, mystery, the English word mystery was not actually defined in the Hebrew but we actually have a few instances where you get the concept of something similar to to a mystery or something being veiled um another word is the word raz it's strong 7328 but what's interesting here dr pigeon is that this is the word sathar and it means to hide by covering that a mystery something which is covertly protected and i think that is important here and again if i may This word revealed means gala, it means to be uncovered. So to remove that, which is covering or hiding. In Colossians 2.17 it says, that uh, we should not despise, Paul is talking to the church saying, hey, don't let nobody pester you about keeping the new moons, the feast, the Sabbath, and what you eat, etc. Because these things are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is Mashiach. And what's interesting is that that word substance is the Greek word soma, which means the fullness, the body, the substance. So again, when I, when I think about his word doctor pigeon being likened to a seed and the fact that you have the outer coat which would be like this sathar or this protection this hedge of protection that it's hiding something within sort of like yahusha came in the flesh which was like this this sathar hiding something inside what was it hiding Well, what was revealed through his death was the Ruach HaKodesh. The Ruach, the spirit came forth as a result of his um, laying down his life. So the Ruach came forth, the same in his word. His word having this hedge uh, about it and that outer coat then being open and revealing what's inside. And to me, that is the secret or the mystery that to me is what, what really gives me an understanding of what it means to, to pursue these types of things. I want to know the deeper things. I want to know the mysteries of his will, his purpose, his intentions, his heart, like you said. I think it's it's wonderful. I love it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when you mentioned the Ruach being revealed, you know, that's I think that's a big part of it. Right. Because think about this for a second. We have this prediction in Isaiah saying the, the virgin will conceive and give and, and, and bear a mayor of child and shall be called Emmanuel, right? Which means El is right. with us. All right, and that's reiterated. But now look what happens because when we talk about this seed and, and Mashiach even says it, you know, he says, a seed means nothing until the seed is planted in the soil and the seed dies and the root grows, right? And then from the seed, the root grows. And the same thing we have here—that we have this death of Mashiach—and with this death of Mashiach, what grows? The Ruach Hakodesh grows.
1: Hallelujah. The
0: Ruach Hakodesh is who is the Ruach Hakodesh? The Ruach Hakodesh is Emmanuel. The Ruach Hakodesh is our Yah with us. Hallelujah. Right. The and
1: substance.
0: The substance, and you substance. know, and you know, coming from a Pentecostal background, that there is. This idea of the Ruach being with us, you know, with this, the, the power and the authority and the boldness and the healing and the the beauty and the, and the prophetic voice and the, you know, all of those things that come with a powerful Ruach HaKodesh, mm. right? And those things, I mean, I just think it's incredible, you know, that, now that I'm reflecting on it now, who is this Emmanuel? Is it the son that is the Emmanuel? No, it is the Ruach HaKodesh that proceeds right. from the son.
1: That's right. It's again, just likened to that seed, the outer coat having to die. You know when a seed goes into the ground, the outer coat, it has to die. The seed has to die in order for the life that's inside of it to spring forth, which is why he likens himself to a seed that must go into the ground and die. What's interesting is about Colossians 2.17 is that it says a shadow of things to come, but then the fullness. So we don't do away with the shadow because it is a refraction. It's a pattern in which the substance fills. But- a- Shadow or and in first John 3 2 it says beloved now we are children of Yahuwah and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be likened to him, or we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So I think again, as we peer into his word, looking through a glass darkly, what we're looking, what we're what we're doing is we're not trying to obtain head knowledge, right? We don't want to lord over people with our knowledge, like you said, with our family members and say, hey, you big dummy, you don't know. No, I think what it is 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 as we peer in because we have this vehement force burning inside of us, drawing us You know, like the Shulamite who is being drawn to her beloved, a recollection of her beloved. And the same with us, we are being aroused to pursue him in spirit and in truth. And as the Ruach leads us into the truth, we discover that he is the truth, the way, the truth, the life. And we ourselves then begin to see him face to face.
0: Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah! Yeah, there it is. I mean, I think that's it. I think we've, and you know, what's interesting, you mentioned the shadow of the things to come, right? Yes. Yes. Now, There's a, you know, in the, in the U.S. case law, we have this, you know, condition of Roe versus Wade, right? Or Griswold versus Connecticut. When they discovered that privacy rights exist in a penumbra. A penumbra, right? Now, the penumbra is the Latin word for shadow, right? Mm. This penumbra. But I was thinking about when we were talking about this before, when you're talking about this concealing or the hidden wisdom, this is concealed in a shadow. Mm. It's in this penumbra, right? So when he says this is a shadow of things to come, this is a concealing. This is a concealing. Of the stuff that's going to be there, right?
1: Love it. Which again takes me back to the Book of Revelation. So the fact that it's—I think it's been misunderstood because of what the media has done to the concept, right? well, were really the battle the great battle would be the battle of armageddon that happens um, that has nothing to do with the book of revelation but because these events are so cryptic i think that they uh, meet, you know hollywood has really played on it but you get this idea that the the revelations you know the, the apocalypse you know so many movies and, the apocalypse is coming the end of the world the apocalypse but for in in the first in the first verse of that book in chapter 1 1-1, one, one. it says this is the revelation, the revealing, the apocalypse of Yahusha Hamashiach that must be revealed. It must be unveiled to all of us, those who are in him, right? So this is the unveiling of the word. This is the removing of the word. Again, requiring wisdom to understand these things like you said, but again, that's why the Ruach has been given to us in part that some will know these things in part. Maybe it's not for me to understand the book of Revelations um, in totality or to even understand the prophets in totality. Maybe that has been given to someone else. But I think we all have a part. We all have a purpose. We all have a role, like you said, and it's important that we continue to remain steady in the flow of his word so that we can discover who we are to him, why he has you know, fashioned us, created us so that we could do his will with good pleasure. I think it's important. Dr. Pigeon, lots of people making comments regarding uh, your political comments. So I'm just going to throw some on here. Um, but before I do, uh, Mission and Jen says, how do we interpret 1 John or 1 John 2, 22, who is a liar, but he that denieth the, that Yeshua is the Mashiach, he is antichrist that denieth the father and the son.
0: Well, there you go. And when you're talking about this use of the term antichrist, you know, it's a spirit of antichrist. It's not a single single person, it's a spirit of antichrist. You know, the, the term antichrist has been so abused and misused.
1: Exactly.
0: And you know, we're waiting for the Nikolai Carpathia to show up right. as the Antichrist, you know, or maybe right. it was Napoleon who was the Antichrist. Well, you know, it's a spirit of it's antichrist
1: the megalomaniacs, right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know and, 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 you know, and you have this, you know, you have this false prophet, you have this man of lawlessness, you have the son of sin, you have the man of perdition, you have the little horn, you know, with the big mouth. I mean, there's lots of things that you have, but who is this Antichrist? It's anyone who denies that Yahusha is Mashiach, right? He is Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Now, there are lots of people who deny the Father and the Son, and, you know, you get into this farther, it says... John goes on to say that denies that the Son came in the flesh. So it is very particular that Gnosticism is Antichrist, right? Mm. Gnosticism is Antichrist. Judaism is Antichrist. Islam is Antichrist. And now the Catholic Church, having denounced the deity of the Son in 1892, is also Antichrist.
1: Okay, so the word Christ, right, it's basically a translation of the, the Hebrew word, what, anointing, mashiach? Mashiach, right? yeah, mashiach. Right. So yeah. To, mishak, to to smear oil, to smear with oil, right? So technically what we're looking at here, if we look at the actual word and find definition in it, it would be the anti or not anointed. So the one who's not anointed to do something, right? That's I think that's interesting because, again, we find... Many people, like you said, many meg me- what are they called? Megalomaniacs. Megalomaniacs, that have, yeah. Yeah, that have, you know, usurped themselves and put themselves in positions and, and acted as though they were going to deliver the world. They were going to save the world or bring in a new world order. And in fact, they were not anointed. So that's absolutely right, Dr. Pigeon. We see that even in their instance.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I think that's right. So, OK, OK, let's let's talk about let's talk about Leon's question here.
1: Oh, sure. OK, go ahead.
0: We have about 40 nuclear subs. Russia has like 12 China, three. No, 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 no. That's not true. China has 80 subs and we actually have 73 or 74. And so what you're looking at when you when you talk about this, this assessment, you know, of course, I would ch- I would refer you to Jane's uh, Jane's oh, we'll, we'll give you the, the correct assessment. But China has uh, China has eclipsed our number of subs. Most of their subs are diesel powered, but there have been instances where the Chinese subs have surfaced directly behind aircraft carriers and have thwarted all of our systems because we didn't know where they were. The Russians do not have that many subs, but the Russians do have drone subs, and we say we can smoke Russia. But the weaponry that Russia has is substantive, and I mean this is what my problem is with America thinking, oh, we we don't have to we don't have to take a lift from Russia; we can just take them on. They have a weapon, they have one weapon that is capable of taking out, one nuclear weapon capable of taking out a, uh, a landmass the size of Texas, the size of Texas, right? And they have many of these weapons. They've also have begun deploying a hypersonic missile that, that flies at Mach 12.5. Nothing can shoot it down. Nothing can shoot it down. It's, in, it's unstoppable, and the U.S. Department of Defense has admitted that. The F-35 is a total disaster. Go look at the Paris Air Show and watch them demonstrate the Su-35. They have four fighter aircraft that are four and five generations beyond the Su-35 now. But the Su-35 is a double-vector double vector, uh, double vector uh, uh, machine that's capable of flying at Mach 1.8. It competes very well with the uh, F-22 Raptor. The F-22 Raptor is a single-vector aircraft. It's our best aircraft, in my opinion, we should be building lots of them and deploying them. But instead, we went with all this money into the F-35, which is a total disaster. We can barely get it off the ground. They estimate that 85% of our fleet is unflyable because we're we're pilfering it for parts because of the amount of money we didn't put into the military machine. We also have aging shifts and, quite frankly, the aircraft carriers are sitting ducks. Uh, to, uh, compared to the technology that's being used today, which is a lot of drone technology. The Russians have built a lot of drone submarines that are capable of carrying nuclear weapons into advanced targets. They also have proven in the, in the recent Syrian conflict that they have the capability of firing cruise missiles uh, in excess of 1,500 miles and, and hitting precise targets. That is to say the Russians were hitting precise targets in Syria from the Caspian Sea, from the Caspian Sea. In fact, they took out 33 Mossad agents who were operating as the intelligence officers for ISIS in Syria with two caliber cruise missiles fired from the from the Caspian Sea. So the Russians have a much smaller army. Than we, well, I shouldn't say much smaller. They have about the same amount of money men deployed. They do not have the financial resources we do, but then again, they can build very quickly. Their nuclear arsenal is superior to ours. They have more weapons than we do. And they also have superior mi- missile technology. Our, their S400s and S500s are much superior to our Patriot uh, missile system. And uh, and so you know you have to look at you have to look at these. Things. Pretty
1: intimidating.
0: It's very intimidating. Pretty
1: intimidating. intimidating.
0: And uh, you know and even though they're bombers of these old Tu54s, you know the Bear bombers, which are you know 1950s technology, but so are our B52s.
1: Well, I mean and- it, it makes sense that the, that the second. The second time around won't be with the flood, but it will be with fire. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sure. absolute sense.
0: Yeah, the fire is coming. Okay, so now yeah, to
1: ask a question.
0: I think Mr. Babylon, Babylon, Dr. B. Yeah, now there's three choices out there, okay, and I've heard I, I've heard three choices. One is, of course, uh, Zionist Judaism, which is uh, you know a group that is you know uh, uh, is drunk on the blood of the saints and has persecuted the followers of Yosha. I mean, no question.
1: Oh, wait a second. I'm sorry. I have to interrupt. So we we uh I think people have been programmed to uh combat that word. That's a trigger word, Dr. Pigeon, because I use Which it all the time, you know, one? Zionism. Oh, okay. Zionism, right. Zionists, but it's yeah, a yeah. trigger word, and people have been programmed to combat that with by calling you an anti Semite. Oh, you're an anti Semite. Well, I don't I'm think not, people not... fully understand what yeah, Zionism not... is. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm there with you.
0: Okay, well, I'm not expressing that view myself. I mean, I'm just saying that there are some who say that that is the case. Now, okay, I personally, my person, and then the next one is, of course, Roman Catholicism, right? Because the purple and silver drink of a-, a purple chalice, blah, blah, blah. The mother church of all the harlot churches in the world, so on and so forth. Plenty of reason for pointing the finger at the Roman Catholic Church. But I do believe that Mystery Babylon is the United States. We are mm. the exporters of, you know, of all this filth and all of this immorality you know, the top agenda for Barack Obama was LGBT and abortion. I mean, that's what we were promoting all over the world. And we're still promoting that all over the world. And we're promoting this, you know, adroit secularism. And we are the place, on, we are on many waters. We do mar- merchant all these goods, so on and so forth. We look conspicuously like Mystery Babylon. And we also have, I mean, look, the Statue of Liberty that sits in New York Harbor is, is, you know, Libertas is another name for who? ISIS, Right. Columbia, who sits on top of the White House, is another name for ISIS. If you, or excuse me, on the Capitol building, that's Columbia. It's, it's another name for Ishtar or ISIS. Right. If you look at the White House, the White House sits at the base of a pentagram. Just go to Google Earth, look at the Capitol, and you'll see the White House is at the very bottom point of a pentagram, and the, the pentagram is open to allow the evil that is summoned to go out westward into the United States and control. Uh, you know, our nation is no longer. You know, the, the the government of this nation was never created as a righteous government. It's created as a secular government governing a righteous people. But as the founder said, once we lose righteousness, this this government will not be able to manage these people anymore. You're going to need tyranny, and we are pushing towards tyranny so fast right now. It's going just gangbusters, and because there's no righteousness uh, left. Most of my friends, most of my my commentator friends in the political world believe that we have become a third world nation. We were now a third world nation when, when the Jeffrey Epstein died. And there's an absolutely no prosecution. There never will be any prosecution. We don't know if he was murdered or, or killed. Who knows where his body is? There's no proof of anything. There's no proof of anything. And you can't trust anybody anywhere to actually surf it out. So as a consequence, we are third world. We're third world. And because we're third world, the rule of law is gone. The moral base of the country is gone. There is no moral foundation. We've been defiled. We've been desecrated. We've been demoralized. But what's left now is genocide, civil war, open war. Things are going to change. Things are going to change dramatically.
1: Okay, Dr. Pigeon. And- what about the fact, though, that all of the attributes associated with the harlot in Revelations is, is very similar to the attributes of, uh, that the bride has, like the colors and the things you know, that the very similar. Everything's very, the, the incense and all of these things. So, I mean, it's obviously very cryptic and symbolic. And, and I have no understanding in regards to these things, but well, she seems to be almost like a, a counterfeit.
0: Well, one of, of, the, of the true miss-
1: bride.
0: Oh, sure, she is. Absolute counterfeit. But look at the, this. But America it, doesn't
1: look like a counterfeit. What you
0: does know it what mean? look like? What does it
1: look like? Well, <laughs> it I looks like an anti bride anti it does not look like it adheres to
0: oh like it's faking being the bride yeah 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 yeah. which of course again would point back to the catholic church now one of the things that i notice about oh okay okay that's the big mystery here is that when you look at this they're talking about a woman right so let's look at the historical precedent you go back you look where's this woman in scripture who's this woman in scripture that you know becomes this great mother of harlots who is this woman Right now, you don't have a whole lot of choices there when you look at that. I mean, one of them is, of course, the Queen of Heaven, that is celebrated in in the in the Book of Jeremiah. When they when they do what, it says they bake bread for the Queen of Heaven. Right, Mm -hmm. but that word for cakes actually means sacred wafer, sacred wafer. They bake
1: cross buns. Yeah,
0: right. They bake their sacred wafer for the Queen of Heaven, and the Queen of Heaven. It's actually called Molekot. Her real name is Molochot. Now, this Molochot, Molochot, whoever this may be, whoever this goddess is, this is this woman. This is this personification. that is, And this is why when you talk about a mystery, this is a big mystery because I believe there is a mystery that you find in this idea of passing children through the fire to Molek or passing children through the Molech. We assume that Molek is a male figure. But Molek could very possibly be a female figure, passing hmm. the children through to Molek, especially when the Queen of Heaven is referred to as Moleket. But if you take out the if you take out the Nekud, that word becomes Molekot. That's a feminine plural, Molekot. Oh, oh, the feminine plural, which would imply that Molek is in fact feminine. Now, if it's feminine, there's reasons for that. You have to remember that the fallen watchers were able to take on the persona of men when they fell initially. They, they fell as men. But the prophecy in Genesis says what? That they will bite, that the seed of the woman will crush the head. Remember? The seed of the woman will crush the head. So they're looking at this saying, okay, well we came down here as men and we're having these relations with women. But the seed of the woman is going to crush our head. So let's come back as women in the next time. Is that available to him? I mean, I think there's a mystery there. There is a mystery there that when it, that there's so little said about Molekot, this Queen of Heaven. Who is this? And what are they talking about exactly? That's a mystery, and it's going to be hard to dig it out in the scripture that's currently there.
1: Very good, Dr. P. We got a few more. Um, we got about five, ten minutes here. Do you guys believe the talked about solar flash could be the fire?
0: Yeah, the, well, the talk about solar flare, no, I don't believe that, and here's why. Because when you're talking about the solar flare, the solar flare is going to do a lot of damage. I mean, right now we're at a solar minimum, and we're still being hammered by massive CME, and we're being hit by massive CME because, of course, the electromagnetic magnetic field that surrounds the Earth is askew because the poles are shifting. Now, the poles aren't flipping, but the poles are shifting. You have this move from Canada to Siberia, and the southern pole is coming up towards Indonesia it's causing as isaiah said the earth to wobble like a drunkard but more importantly the the magnetic poles are shifting and big gaps in the magnetosphere are opening allowing for uv radiation to come in and hammer the earth and when we get massive blasts of cme it creates earthquakes creates volcanic eruptions and it creates substantial inordinate weather but right now we are in a solar minimum we're about to enter a solar maximum solar minimum and we're seeing 117 degrees in the midwest 95 degrees in anchorage alaska with a solar minimum you know when this thing cracks up into a solar maximum we're going to see a lot of heat but when you're talking about the fire overwhelming the whole earth when yah reshapes the whole earth the new heaven and earth that's going to be something probably from within you know like you Hmm. saw when you see kilauea completely overtake hawaii
1: very interesting. And some people, I'm sure, are very curious to know what we were talking about when you said that you were going to have a sit-down with Zen Garcia. So I just want to let our viewers know that sometime in the new in the near future we have to still work out the actual dates and the details. But you and Zen have agreed to have a sit-down. It's going to be a little different than a debate. We don't want a debate. We just want a presentation where we can try to try to take information from both sides um, and then know weigh it out for ourselves i think that's a very responsible thing to do uh but i i i like the fact that you guys have said it's going to be a discussion on the topic of uh the earth and the cosmology uh biblical cosmology and i'm there i'm i'm looking forward to it it's going to be here on uh several channels as well and so we're looking forward to that dr pigeon um, I don't think we have any more questions, lots of comments about the military stuff, which you can go back later and check out. Um, any more questions? If not, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, the, as far as like the whole, you know, I, cause I think people are just wanting to know in detail what it is that's going to happen and, and just basically their opinion about uh, these, these wars that you speak of. But um, aside from that, I don't think we have any more. Uh, If not covered earlier. Oh, the mystery of our spoken word, faith of a mustard seed. I'm not sure what the question was, Leon, and it may be too far back for me to uh, to get it. But Dr. Pigeon, I do want to close with this in Psalms 78, one through two. Elohim says that he will speak his Torah his law and parables and dark sayings. Uh, And then going on into verse two through four, it says that he will reveal them to us so that we can reveal them to others. Is that not profound? Does that not sum up the fact that Yahuwah speaks and what are these mysteries? It's basically the the deeper things, the hidden things, that which is hidden from what Dr. Pigeon From the carnal mind? What do you think that he had to hide these things for?
0: Well, he says, I hid them because that they who have eyes that can see out. will not perceive and that who have ears and, and can hear, but will not understand that they may turn and, for, and repent and be forgiven of their sins. And what he's saying to you is that you need to seek these out. You need to, you know, uh, this is the, you know, they in Second Thessalonians, Paul says, these people would be given over to damnation. They will be deceived and given over to damnation because they did not love the truth. They did not love the truth.
1: And in Proverbs 25, verse 2, it says. It is the glory. Oops, I didn't change the the title, but it is the glory of Elohim to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. Hallelujah. Yeah. So uh, again, Dr. Pigeon, as always, I appreciate your time and effort. Uh, Thank you for sharing. Uh, such a timely word, and I hope that it does provoke others to draw nearer to the Father, especially in these latter days, uh, knowing that the times are short. I think that this is a, a perfect word to motivate our appetite, to get us hungry for more. Um, if you don't mind, I'm just going to close in prayer, and uh, we will conclude tonight's show, Dr. Pigeon. Amen. All right. Um, hallelujah. Abba we thank you and praise you and give you glory for all things, Father, we acknowledge that you are sovereign king over all things. Uh, Father, even the small details in our lives. Father, I lift up all those who you have brought to my mind and to my heart this last week. Father, who may be suffering physically in the body. I ask Abba Yahuwah that this word would encourage them, that they would draw near to you and be refreshed. I pray, Father, that you would reveal yourself to them in a profound way, in a way that brings transformation, that renews them, that renews their strength. Father, I pray that you would give them shalom and that you would uh, reveal yourself as Yahuwah Rafa, the healer. Father, we're asking for a supernatural encounter with you, that we would come to know that you heal us from not only our transgressions, but our wounds. Father, we praise you and we thank you. We glorify you with great delight. Again, hallelujah in Yahusha's name. Amen. Hallelujah all right dr. Pigeon uh, blessings to you and if you celebrate your birthday happy birthday I like to say enjoy your life anniversary <laughs> anniversary. <laughs>
0: okay yeah. I'll try to, I'll try to do that yeah
1: <laughs> all right um that's all for tonight you guys we appreciate you look forward from our content Sunday we're going to have a guest a speaker who is going to talk about the origins of the biblical canon and how it was established and then we have some more guests that are coming on next week uh we hope you tune in then we bid you farewell and shalom Shalom dr P Shalom just goodbye